Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. free speech to free minds you're listening to the david knight show as the clock strikes 13 it's tuesday the 2nd of november year of our lord 2021 day 596 of america held hostage Well, we've had some new information come out based on an examination of the VAERS data shows that 100% of the massive number of deaths have come from 5% of the lots, the batches. So we're going to ask, what could that possibly mean? We're also going to take a look at Trump's pronouncement about how (laughs) Israel owns the Congress. And we know that big pharmaceutical owns them as well. Uh, they're like NASCAR drivers. they got multiple owners, and so does Trump. We'll also take a look at SCOTUS. A lot of very strange decisions, and quite frankly, we'll look at the bizarre conundrum of this Texas abortion law. When we come back, stay with us. Well, you know, I'll begin with an analogy when we talk about these toxic Trump shots. You have a case, and this is in um, uh, this is reported by KYWTV, uh, and I'm looking for the uh, state that's, and I don't see it in what I have here. Uh, but this is a ten-year journey to find the truth. Parents are suing the coroner. After the coroner said that their daughter's death by 20 stab wounds was ruled a suicide. And so we look at this. um, Was it a suicide when people died from one jab or two jabs or three jabs or four jabs? Was it uh, just bad genes 
as we have been told by many, many doctors. Oh, yeah, they just had bad genes. That's the problem with them. Uh, was it uh, maybe people being driven to suicide by harassment and bullying? You know, we have put drag queens in our, you know, grown men playing burlesque, doing sexually uh, suggestive, at the very least, things to kids in kindergarten. Because we don't want people bullied or harassed. And yet, look at the bullying and harassment that is going on based around these Trump shots. So her parents are being refused to accept the suicide as truth. They've now been allowed a non-jury trial after they have sued the coroner's office. They said, we look forward to the trial in hopes of obtaining justice for Ellen. Will we find any justice for the 28,103 deaths in the European Union alone? And that's only half of the European countries. We find any justice for the 2.6 million injuries that have happened there. Oh, they were self-inflicted. We bullied you into that. Or we deceived you into that. Yeah, there's a lot of deception going on, isn't there? Uh, And as I said at the introduction, we have an interesting analysis of the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS. This is done by some people out of the UK. What they have found is that 100% of the deaths following COVID-19 shots are from only 5% of the manufacturer's lots, according to the VAERS database. Now, this brings up a lot of concerns. Uh, this is by a, uh, a group publication called Expose, or Expose, I should say. That little grave there. Anyway, it's Expose. It is out of the UK. And so what they did was they looked at the VAERS system in the U.S. And when you see something like this, a number of possibilities happen. When it is this localized, when you have a very small number of the batches, that show this, is this uh, something that was intentional? Was it accidental? Either way, as Dr. Michael Yaden, former vice president of CEO, said, uh, there is absolutely no integrity in the system if they don't stop this right now and find out what's going on. Is this a manufacturing issue? Was this something that was deliberately done? Uh, Raises a lot of ethical and potentially criminal questions. Are we dealing with quality control issues here, or is there something more evil from these pharmaceutical companies who have very long rap sheets of criminal activities in their past, particularly Pfizer, particularly Johnson & Johnson? Moderna doesn't have a long rap sheet because this is their very first product. But they've got a long list of victims already. You know, when you... Look at how deep this is. And you go back and you look at what was exposed back in February. And uh, it was a, um, a UK group. Uh, it was a UK Center for Investigational Journalism that found it. Uh, they're basically a, a very left-wing uh, environmentalist group for the most part. And then it was picked up by Stat News, which is a pharmaceutical publication. These are not right-wing conspiracy theorists, as I would be painted by the media. Uh, They're left-wing environmentalists, and it's a pharmaceutical trade publication, Stat News. And they pointed out back in February that in both Argentina and Brazil, and uh, they did not come to terms with Pfizer. And so they didn't have an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. There was a third Latin American country that did 
come to terms with Pfizer. And so uh, they were prohibited from talking about it. But somebody within the um, within the um, group, the com- country, uh, talked about the contract. And what they were all saying was that Pfizer was very keen to make sure they didn't just have liability against the vaccine itself, but also against manufacturing issues and uh, quality control issues, and also against fraud. And so you had to ask yourself, why would they do this, and why would they demand that they would have as collateral foreign assets in other countries so that Argentina, Brazil, this other country could not get that? And then we found out, we had a few uh, uh, disclosures saying that it was not just those countries, it was also done in Europe. And then about two weeks ago, We had more information coming out about those documents out of Europe with some whistleblowers. And then just yesterday, because it happened over the weekend, I showed you about a half dozen members of the European Parliament, one man in particular saying, why were we not allowed to see these documents? And look at this. Everything on this document is blacked out. And he showed paper after paper after paper, every single thing. They said, we want to see this information as members of the European Parliament. What did you agree to with Pfizer? Every bit of it was blacked out. So uh, it just gets darker and darker, doesn't it? As uh, Vaccine Impact points out, we do know, for example, that certain documents that Pfizer supplied to the European Medicines Agency for their COVID-19 shots showed that in some of the test batches, they only had 55% of the RNA intact. Big quality control issues, right? 2.6 million doses pulled from uh, Japan after they found black substances in it that interacted with magnets. That's what the Japanese health ministry said about the 2.6 million doses. Then they found Pfizer vaccines with some white stuff in it. And they pulled some of them. I don't uh, know that they reported how many of those that they pulled out. But going back to what Vaccine Impact says, this would mean that the greater percentage of batches produced, but also the fewest distributed with the fewest amounts of adverse reactions are the faulty ones, not produced properly, while the 5% of the ones causing the most harm and distributed the most are doing exactly what they were manufactured to do. So that's the question. Was this intentional? Was this, was this uh, program designed to sterilize and to slow kill And then did they have manufacturing errors so that 5% of these batches turned out to kill people very rapidly? Was that what happened? Or was this a, uh, a test case? Because these things were not distributed uniformly. The uh, harmless ones, if you want to put it that way, although they did have still have people who were harmed, but we're talking about the people who died instantly. Uh, those people... Uh, it was uh, targeted towards certain areas. Whereas the so-called harmless ones, where the people did not die immediately, where they're getting adverse reactions like paralysis and other things that are going to affect them, or perhaps other events in the future, those are widely distributed. So are we seeing here that there was an unintentional screw-up, that they put these toxic ones out instead of the slow kill? Uh, Were they targeting certain areas? Were they trying to see what they could get away with? Either way, understand that if you want to take the most benign approach to this and say that it is simply 
manufacturing, sloppy, sloppy manufacturing. And again, Michael Yaden, uh, who was the vice president for Pfizer, says, I, I can't imagine that they could be this inconsistent in their manufacturing, that it would be targeted to uh, just 5% of the batches that would represent 100% of the deaths. So what we're talking about here is basically the, the reality of this that cannot be not denied from the VAERS. Uh, I mean, we can speculate about their motivations and what's really behind this. But the reality is, is that you're playing Russian roulette. Instead of having six chambers, you've got 20 chambers. Does that make you feel any better? So uh, they point out the expose uh, says uh, an investigation of data found in the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, has revealed that extremely high numbers of adverse reactions and deaths have been reported against specific lot numbers of the COVID-19 vaccines several times, meaning deadly batches of the experimental injections have now been identified. But what's perhaps more concerning is that the deadly lots were distributed widely across the U.S., whilst other benign lots were sent to just a few locations. I got that inverted when I said that before. So it's the deadly lots that were widely distributed, but the benign ones were, were focused in certain areas. And so they go through and they look at, first of all, they compare as a controlled data set. They look at all flu vaccines for the last 30 years, and they look at all the adverse events reports done by that as a controlled data set. So they said, let's look at all the flu vaccines and compare it to Pfizer. And then they did the same thing for Moderna. What they found was that when you compare it to uh, Pfizer, they found that, um, that when you compare all of the flu deaths in the VAERS database to the ones that have been reported so far, and we're talking about 30 years versus nine months, 10 months now, 10 months now. So 30 years versus 10 months. They said uh, there were 106 times as many adverse reactions for Pfizer, 180 time, 189 times as many deaths, 195 times as many hospitalizations compared to all other influenza vaccines for the last 30 years combined for just 10 months of Pfizer. When they compared it to Moderna, uh, they found something very similar. They said they found 118 times as many adverse reactions, 174 times as many deaths, and 140 times as many hospitalizations for Moderna over 10 months than they did for all other flu vaccines for the last 30 years combined. 120 times more adverse events. So they say uh, when we look at the distribution then, so the first thing they did as a control, they said, uh, look at these things versus the cumulative flu vaccines, looked at each of these products. Then what they did was they look at, looked at the, pro uh, the uh, problems that people had and they associated them with which lot was involved. And that's where they find that 100% of the deaths were associated with 5% of the vaccine lots. They, this suggests, they said, that there was a small quantity of dangerous batches for the Pfizer vaccine and a large quantity of seemingly harmless, at least in the short term, batches of the COVID vaccine. And that's the key thing. When we talk about harm, we talk about safety, no study has been done. They would just be finishing year number one of a 10-year study if this hadn't been 
shut down by Trump. And he's the one who shut it down. He demanded, and Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, demanded that the FDA, Commissioner Hahn at the time, approve them that day or resign. Nevertheless, getting back to this, 96% of the lots of the Pfizer vaccine had zero deaths, death reports made against them. That means that just uh, 4% of the Pfizer vaccines, uh, vaccine lots had 2,828 reported deaths. Five lot numbers were associated with 61 to 80 deaths each. A further five lot numbers were associated with 80 to 100 deaths. And two separate lot numbers were associated with over 100 deaths each. And so it's very, very concentrated in just a few doses. That is highly, highly unusual. The data clearly shows that the COVID-19 vaccination campaign has been significantly more harmful and deadly. This is their conclusion, uh, the uh, expose people. It's been significantly more harmful and deadly than the influenza vaccination campaigns of the last 30 years combined in just 10 months. This fact alone begs the question as to how the FDA Advisory Committee could possibly vote 17 to 0 this last week in favor of approving the Pfizer vaccine for use in children 5 to 11. One voting member of the FDA admitted that it will not be fully known whether the Pfizer vaccine is safe for 5 to 11-year-old children until we test it on them. And I reported this. Dr. Eric Rubin of Harvard University said, we're never going to learn how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. That's just the way it is. Well, there you go. There you go. So we're not going to do testing anymore. The FDA, which has been famous for being the most reluctant to release anything, they would always say, well, you know, we're here to protect you from thalidomide babies. Uh, we will take a very long time to release this because we don't want anything dangerous. Now they're just saying, hey, well, we, we just give it to everybody. That's the only way we'll know if it's safe or not. And then when you find out that people are dying, they still don't do anything about it because they really don't care. If they cared, they wouldn't test it, give it to everybody without testing it. They wouldn't give it to a large group of people without a long-term test if they cared. So, of course, they don't care when people are crippled or killed by this. So why is it? that the harmful and deadly COVID-19 vaccines were distributed across the entire U.S., while the least harmful and deadly were distributed to just a few states. Was this done on purpose? Exactly. I mean, not only do you have 4 to 5% of the vaccine lots responsible for 100% of the deaths, but those were, not, those were targeted distribution, I'm sorry, the, uh, the safe ones were targeted distribution, and the dangerous ones were spread out everywhere. Is this a test? Are they testing us? So Dr. Michael Yaden said, uh, this is unprecedented. He says, I'm thinking about it, and I don't yet have it clear in my mind what the envelope of plausible and possible explanations are. But the bottom line is that the majority of lots were associated with good short-term safety, short-term safety with few hospitalizations and deaths, which is true for both the Pfizer and the Moderna injections. But for both Pfizer and for Moderna, both of them, so this makes it even stranger, doesn't it? I mean, if this is just one of the companies or the other, but the fact that both of them would widely distribute injections that would have no short-term issues, but that they would target vaccine lots that had deadly 
short-term results. In both cases, a small number of vaccine lots are associated with incredibly high rates of adverse events, including death. How can this possibly happen, says Dr. Yagen. Drug manufacturing is performed to exacting standards of control. The active agent is made in batches. It cannot be guessed how many doses each batch makes because no one has ever made commercial-scale mRNA vaccines before. But he said um, there's a couple of possibilities. He said, uh, for example, we could have poor handling during shipping and storage prior to administration to people. Uh, so uh, <laughs> when, you, um, when you look at that, I've been asking from the very beginning. Uh, as soon as they announced these things in the uh, fall of uh, 2020, what they were going to do, or actually it was summer, they started talking about it, how they were going to have to have cold storage. Got into it in a great deal of detail in August of 2020 when the CDC put out its instructions to three states and one uh, city jurisdiction. And then they put the same document out two months later to all 50 states. And in that document, they talked about how imperative it was to keep these things at uh, subarctic temperatures and then how they were going to be shipped frozen uh, concentrated with five to six doses per vial and i looked at this and i thought wow you know you you've got to keep this stuff at like one of them is like minus 75 degrees and the others like minus 90 degrees and uh, you've got to keep these things at those temperatures and you're going to ship it out to walmart and walgreens and cvs and you know <laughs> basically all these different, you know, where you want to get your retail health care. So you're going to ship it out. They're going to keep it frozen until they're ready to use it. Then they're going to unfreeze it, and then they're going to dilute it into six different uh, doses and mix it with a specific amount of saline solution. And you're going to trust the people at Walmart and Walgreens and CVS to do that? Seriously? <laughs> Not me. That was I was done at that point right there. And I asked, I said, what happens to this stuff if it's not kept frozen? And if it's not kept frozen, does it start growing into structures or something? Uh, what, is, what really happens? Does it become deadly? Does it become inert? Maybe it just doesn't work. You know, and I pointed out that we, when we have pharmaceutical drugs, two things happen when there's two possibilities when they pass their expiration date. One is they can become very deadly. I think, was it, uh, I don't remember, was it Tylenol? Do you remember, Travis, a Tylenol that gets very deadly if it gets past its uh, expiration date and other things just become inert? I don't remember. But the, um, you know, that, that it, it can go two different ways, right? It can just become ineffective or it can get toxic. So I said, which is it? If these things are not kept frozen, which is it? Does it become uh, ineffective, inert, or does it become toxic? Who knows? Well, we don't know. We're not allowed to know. So, um, or maybe if it's not kept frozen, maybe it starts to reveal what it really is. Think about that. And they don't want you to see what it really is, what it grows into. That's another possibility as well. Anyway, uh, Yaden says another another possibility besides just poor handling, shipping, and storage, for which they were blackmailing, and that's what it was. It was blackmail. It's like you're either going to sign this and sign this NDA agreement, and we're going to black out everything. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or you are going to have, if you don't do that and sign up with us, people aren't going to be allowed to go into or out of your country. I think this is one of the reasons why you had Netanyahu at Israel sign up all of the Israeli people to be lab rats so they could jump to the front of the line in terms of being able to get in and out. Because there was a global plan that nobody's going to go anywhere unless you have a vaccine passport, an ID. And if you don't, excuse me, if you don't have a certain percentage of your population vaccinated, we're just going to put an embargo on your entire country. So hurry up and get everybody vaccinated. Because that's coming from the people who run the world. So uh, they were being blackmailed. They were certainly being blackmailed about the handling and shipping and storage and uh, negligence and even deliberate fraud. But he says at some point in the manufacturing, somebody, he, he says, here's another possibility. At some point in the manufacturing, someone or some entity actively modified what was being put into the vials. And it was this which resulted in extreme skew of the clinical safety profile. He says, well, I don't know. He says, there's been so much truly awful behavior of the elites that I'm simply not willing, as I would have historically done, to dismiss the possibility that this has been done on purpose. In other words, these people have made it very clear. They're malicious intentions. These are my words. And I'm telling you that from Trump to Biden to the pharmaceutical companies to every government of the world, they've made it clear their malicious intent. They don't care about the necessity. They don't care about the risks and benefits for our children. They don't care about burning down <clears throat> our countries in terms of shutting down the ability for people to uh, uh, get any supplies. I mean, this, this, these people who are hell-bent on everybody getting the jab, or are you going to be purged out of society? I mean, it just doesn't get any more dystopian or draconian than this. And that's their only obsession right now. That is their key obsession. So he's absolutely right. Uh, the behavior of the elites has made it clear that they are capable of uh, and willing to do things that are beyond your imagination. So he says, what I do know, and this is a test of whether there is the slightest sign of integrity from these companies as well as from the regulatory agencies. What I do know is that all use of the effective products must be immediately ceased. All batches of drug substances and lots of drug products should cease. Haven't we seen this before? Hasn't the FDA done this? I mean, they find 
Uh, one manufacturer comes in and let's say they find uh, contamination on spinach. We've seen this several times. Spinach may be coming from Mexico and it's contaminated. And they shut it down everywhere. Come on, everybody turn in your products. We're not going to take a chance on this. Yeah, a lot of people got the spinach and didn't get sick. But we had some people who got the spinach and got extremely sick. And maybe a person died. So we're going to shut it all down. We just saw this with an aerosol spray that was being sold by Walmart in several states, by the way. You had people get very sick. Two people died. What was in that spray? Burkholderia pseudomalii. How did that get in there? That is something that is not native to the United States. It was brought here by Fauci's NIH to do gain-of-function experiments down at Tulane University at the National Primate Center about five or six years ago. It got out of the biosafety lab. This is something that thrives in the soil. They found infected animals outside of the Biosafety Level 3 lab. They sent in a CDC team. That CDC team had one member who got infected, got very, very sick. The cover story, <laughs> if you want to believe it, was, well, this person investigates Burkholderia pseudomalii in the past, and so uh, he or she, uh, that must be an old infection that came up. Yeah, right. And so here we are, fast forward, that was like 2013. So here we are, nine, uh, eight years later. And now it turns up in a Walmart product? Hmm. Hmm. But what did they do after two people died and some people got sick? They shut the whole thing down. So that's what they would do if they were a regulatory agency. That's what they would do if it was a Boeing 737 MAX. Oh, you got uh, 8,600 flights and two of them crashed? Oh, we're going to – nobody flies these planes anymore. But not for this stuff. Not for this stuff. So he says, uh, these materials should be recalled to a place of stable storage, says Dr. Michael Yaden, and an internal analytical investigation initiated. If the manufacturers do not exhibit sufficient control of drug product, the authorization they hold from various regulatory authorities is utterly voided. Utterly voided. So... Uh, as we look at this, COVID hospitalizations are spiking in the most vaccinated nations. The Republic of Ireland and the uh, and Israel, and we will talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Pass to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing. And the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. 
thedavidnightshow.com. Looking for better information? APSRadioNews.com features articles and commentary, along with audio from all the top news from around the world. APSRadioNews.com. All right, the Republic of Ireland has vaccinated 91% of its population. This is far beyond anything that we were told was needed for herd immunity. You don't hear them talking about that anymore, do you? Have you heard about herd immunity? (laughs) You know, it's interesting, the uh, the word for vaccination actually comes from the Latin word uh, for cow. Yeah, that kind of herd. <laughs> slave, slave herds. Uh, anyway, uh, the highest rate in the European Union is from uh, the Republic of Ireland, 91%. Now, of course, Israel is higher, uh, but uh, they point out in this article from uh, both LifeSite News and W&D have covered this, a year-long peer-reviewed study published this week in the uh, British Science Journal, The Lancet, which I talked about yesterday, found that people vaccinated against COVID-19 are likely to spread the Delta variant to contacts in their household, just as likely to spread it as those who have not been vaccinated. So, in other words, what it tells us is that, um, you know, a passport is designed to stop travel, right? So the vaccine passport, if it's designed to stop the travel of the virus, there's no point in doing it. Now, if the vaccine passport is designed to stop the people, uh, the travel of people, regardless of the virus, uh, that's what we're looking at right now. This is about stopping the movement of people, not stopping the movement of a disease at this point. It's purely political. It is not medical. The study from The Lancet, and again, this is the British equivalent of the Journal of the American Medical Association, establishment, pure establishment. A study tracking more than 600 people in the U.K. found that immunity from full vaccination waned in as little as three months. In other words, folks, it never worked. It never worked. And this is why they're not getting herd immunity. In order to have herd immunity, you have to have individual immunity. In order to have public health, you have to have individual health. In order to have a a democracy where things work, you have to be focused on what is good for the individual. When you throw the concern about the individual away, You've thrown everything away, legally, medically, economically. When you trash the individual for the good of the group, you don't wind up with anything good. Not for the group, not for any of the individuals. The group is nothing but a collection of individuals. And when you throw away the individuals, you're throwing away the public health. You're throwing away the public wealth. You're throwing away uh, the uh, rule of law, the rest of this. Vaccine injury stories are pouring in after an Israeli mom launches a project to expose untold suffering. Why? Because they have uh, gotten it the first and the worst of anybody. Uh, They've weaponized it. This is something that's done by Netanyahu. But, of course, now his liberal counterpart is there and doing the same thing. Where this is really coming from, it doesn't matter whether you've got Trump or Biden. It doesn't matter if you've got uh, uh, Netanyahu. Or, or his replacement, it doesn't matter. This is coming from the Mossad, it's coming from the CIA, it's coming from the media that they both control. That's what it's coming from. 
A courageous woman has taken up the task of investigating and reporting injuries from the Pfizer COVID jab, reports LifeSite News. Uh, because the media, the Mockingbird media, the media that works for the Mossad, works for the CIA, have ignored this. They've ignored this in her home country of Israel. She introduced herself as Avital, a mother of two boys. The brave Israeli woman said that she had spoken to hundreds of people, read thousands of testimonies of people who had been adversely affected by the jab, but who have been unafraid to speak publicly due to hostility surrounding the subject. Hostility surrounding by who? By the people who are funded, uh, bribed by big pharmaceutical companies, governments, government agencies, individuals, media companies. In the past month, she said, I've been hearing more and more people I know who have experienced severe adverse effects shortly after receiving the Pfizer shot. I also noticed that no news company, journalist, reporter, or anyone investigating these events thoroughly and publishing the data. So she put together what she calls the Testimonies Project. It's a website showcasing an hour-long video that details powerful stories of 40 people who are willing to go public with their stories in the weeks and months after the vaccination campaign of Pfizer began. The presentation is divided into seven distinct categories of testimonies. Heart problems, which are the lion's share of the cases, disease outbreak, blood clots, bleeding and miscarriages, infections and inflammations, skin problems, and neurological problems, all of which were consistent with the complaints found in both the U.S. VAERS system and Europe's injury reporting system, the UDRA vigilance system. One man, for example, a 41-year-old, his name is Ali Abu Latif, chose to get the shot due to social pressure after initially being strongly opposed to the idea. And remember, going back again to last summer, uh, not, not 2021, but 2020, it was about the middle of the summer that we had a study that was put together, and they did a, a very carefully controlled scientific study to determine what kind of propaganda lies and narratives would work with people. So they had one group that was not exposed to it, and they tested their attitudes, and they had another group that was exposed to you know, various types of messages and how effective were each of these types of messages. There were things that would shame people uh, and say, uh, you, you've got to do this for the public good. Uh, how would you feel if somebody in your family or friend got this because you didn't get vaccinated, all that type of stuff? Uh, hitting them with the presumed authority angle, uh, this is what science says. This is what the experts say. And there are about nine different ways that they were going to come after people. And uh, so I, I reported that when it first came out. It was Yale had done the psychological study, uh, and it was published at the NIH. And, of course, the messaging and the commercials that were going to be done with that have been – they've put that out on social media, on YouTube, on mainstream media. They put it out with public service announcements funded by $250 million at the ad council that Trump gave them. Anyway, going back to this man's uh, situation. So he was in intimidated, pressured into getting it, social pressure, not even a job. But he explained that on March 8th, the same night that he received his second jab, he began experiencing an earache. The pain became so unbearable that he was admitted to the hospital for five days after his health seemed to return to normal. 
A little, week, a little over a week later, however, Latif, who previously had been fit, exercised regularly, 41-year-old man, suffered a stroke. After a few days of the hospital to recover, he was discharged and given a walking frame to help support his now severely inhibited mobility. I would fall at home. My wife would drag me to bed, he said. A few months later, on July 7th, he suffered a second stroke, rendering his whole left side paralyzed. He explained that pain medication no longer mitigates his suffering and that he struggles to sleep at night. He said his life has been, quote, shattered before his eyes. As a result of the strokes, he is now confined to a wheelchair. I'm waiting now for the third stroke to see if I stay alive or not, he said. Another case was Haya, a 46-year-old mother of three small children. She explained that after receiving her second Pfizer shot on March 18th, she almost immediately started suffering terrible headaches. <clears throat> Just a few days after, later, after arriving at work, Haya said her hand had swollen to double its normal size, leading her boss to send her home. As she traveled back, however, her condition deteriorated. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was swallowing my tongue. I wasn't able to drive straight. Uh, so uh, after arriving home, the mother collapsed and was admitted to a hospital. She explained that the doctors examining her were dumbfounded at her condition, and they were apparently unsure how to treat her. Why? Because we have to rule out the obvious cause, right? Uh, you, you must not blame pharmaceutical products. Uh, that's off limits. If you do, we'll pull your license. Haya said she can no longer sleep or manage her household. I have small children who need a mother. They need baths, food. They need me to jump with them or to take them to the park. Struggling to contain tears, she said, this is no longer possible. My life was ruined, as it is today. See, a lot of people do this because they think they need to take care of their family. And what will happen is their family will have to take care of them because of the vaccine injury. That is a possibility. It's already happened. Avatol said that hearing so many injuries arising so soon after taking the COVID jab quickly drew her concern. She grew especially critical when Israeli media were not reporting the stories that she was seeing and hearing through friends and social media. I mean, isn't this what media typically does? You have a sensational story about somebody who is harmed. I mean, that's what uh, Chris Wallace's father did, Mike Wallace at 60 Minutes. He's the one who blew up that narrative about the rushed swine flu vaccine and how it was harming people with Guillain-Barre syndrome. If your media, typically the media is on some, if it bleeds, it leads. Well, these people are bleeding to death. They're getting heart attacks and everything. Why? The disinterest. Something sensational like that. You would think it would be in the media's interest, except the media has been bought and sold many times over by the pharmaceutical industries. There is a gag order essentially on them by the government. They all know it. We all know it. There's no question about that. The web, she said, started to be filled with people saying, especially in groups, about people who got injured after getting the vaccine. But at the same time, in the media, the Israeli media, there was absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was necessary to not only control media, but also to control social media. And that's true, of course, everywhere. It's true here in America. Let me ask you, whose watch did that happen under? Under whose watch? You know, we have a president. He says, I'm here to defend the Constitution. The purpose of government in the United States is clearly stated in the Declaration of Independence. We have certain inalienable rights. 
because of our humanity being created in the image of God, and it is the purpose of government to protect those rights. So whose watch was it that we lost free speech on social media? Well, that was smack dab in the middle of Trump's watch. Happened just before midterms, didn't it? And he did nothing. He didn't create a new social media account. He didn't move to Gab. He did nothing. 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 It's the other thing that he prepared for us. He prepared, he laid the foundation. Nobody is listening to them, he said. Nobody is even taking care of them, and they're just the tip of the iceberg. They were the only, sorry, that was uh, the the lady, Avital, who has uh, set up this organization. She said they were the only people brave enough to speak out at the time that they did in the project. She said there are thousands and thousands of more cases. She stressed that the government is trying to shut our mouths and to not let people tell the world what is going on with them. There is no second opinion in Israel, she said. Uh, She said, uh, however, she hopes that with her project, the Testimonies Project, is starting to come out. She said, I hope that all the people that got injured and are afraid to speak will come out with their stories. People are contacting me, new people. They want to give testimonies or just let me know what happened to them. She said uh, it cost her about $6,230 to set this project up. She explained uh, uh, the people were so keen to help that in two weeks I raised the money. She's directed Israelis who have been injured by the jab to contact the Israeli People's Committee an independent group of doctors, lawyers, and scientists who are documenting vaccine injury cases for transparency and to pursue medical remedies and legal recompense. She said, uh, if it happened to you or to someone you know, please report this to the Israeli People's Committee. She said, now is when we have to do it. Now, when it comes to our children, the truth must come out. And these evil people are coming after our children right now. You see, Pfizer has delayed the approval of the Moderna jab. They say, well, we probably won't approve this until January of 2022. But they've already done it for Pfizer. This is not them showing due diligence. This is the way that they're going to try to deceive people into thinking that they're doing due diligence, that they are doing their oversight. They're not. They're not at all. It's like what they did when there were obvious problems with Johnson & Johnson. At the time, there were more than 800 reports of major blood clot injuries. And then as they rolled out, uh, uh, as they were rolling it out, they had 800 reports of major blood clot injuries. And then you had four different sites in four different states where you had about four dozen people who were injured. I immediately passed out with the uh, Pfizer with the Johnson and Johnson. So they put a delay on it for about a week to show you just how responsible and careful they were. And they lied and said, this is a problem that has affected only six women. And so this is extremely rare. We don't exactly know or care why this happened, but you know, we're going to uh, pause it for a week, but now we've determined it's only six women and we don't really care anymore. So go for it. The FDA has decided to delay its approval for a Moderna jab for patients between the ages of 12 and 17. It comes just three days after the FDA authorized the Pfizer jab for children between the ages of 5 and 11. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What does this tell you? First of all, it's a head fake. Secondly, it tells you that Pfizer has much better connections inside the government because this is simply about a corrupt bureaucracy and who has the most influence with them. According to The Hill, Moderna, based in Massachusetts, was told the federal agency would need until at least January 2022. Meanwhile, as we look at how much influence Pfizer has, uh, there's a uh, article on Free Thought Project as we look at this committee that said, all right, let's do it for kids all the way down to age of five. Who is it that's on this committee? And do they have conflicts of interest with Pfizer? Well, yes, they do. Pretty much each and every one of them. Here's uh, the catalog put together at freethoughtproject.com. The acting chair, Arnold Monto, was a paid Pfizer consultant as recently as 2018. Stephen Pergam was pushing the vaccine on the website uh, as trusty and effective. He's probably the one with the least connection to Pfizer. Uh, the committee member, Archana Chatterjee, worked on a research project for vaccines for infants between 2018 and 2020. The research project was sponsored and funded by Pfizer. Myron Levine, uh, one of the protégés of Raphael Simon, the senior director of vaccine research and development of, at Pfizer. You have Jita Swamy, chair of the Independent Data Monitoring Committee for the Pfizer Group on Streptococcus Vaccines a committee that is sponsored by Pfizer. Greg Sylvester previously served as vice president for Pfizer vaccines. These are the people who were on the committee, on the committee that approved Pfizer vaccines for kids all the way down to the age of five. FDA News stated last December, quote, FDA advisory committee members in the past have frequently been the target of heavy politicking by industry representatives of whatever drug they were considering for recommendation at in-person meetings. As Freethought Project points out, it is a staggering conflict of interest. You see this declaration of this so-called scientific advisory committee. Uh, these people have been brought to you by Pfizer. Good Morning America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight.
Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Yeah, you get the idea, don't you? Everything is sponsored by Pfizer. Your news is sponsored by Pfizer. The scientific advisor committees are sponsored by Pfizer. Well, we do have some people who are not bought and sold by Pfizer, big pharmaceutical companies yet. Apparently, we have Senator Ron Johnson, who has shown a lot of integrity so far in this. He's going to be having a, uh, an expert panel that he's putting together today. Today we'll have the uh, update of that. We're not going to go to that live because these things can be very, very, very slow paced. Uh, so we'll take a look at that and see what what comes out of that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot talked about that. He has medical experts. He has doctors. He's got people who have been victims of this. Uh, a lot of people who have been injured by this. So he's putting together this uh, committee. It'll be a panel discussion today. Uh, the senator will discuss the importance of early treatment for COVID. You know, why can't we have other treatments? He'll also be talking about Americans' health care freedom and natural immunity. He'll also, Johnson, Senator Johnson, will also cover the impacts of mandates on the American workforce and the economy. And also the lack of transparency from federal health agencies in response to oversight requests. Can't tell you we signed an NDA with Pfizer. Can't talk about that. And then tomorrow, RFK Jr. is suggesting this. No government in history ever surrendered power in the absence of a demand. And on November 3rd, we're going to make that demand. That is the day that we want you to join us in the worldwide walkout. Don't stay in your house. Get off the couch. Join us on the streets. We need to tell these governments, their friends in the technocracy, their Silicon Valley billionaire boys club, the mainstream media and all of their allies in the pharmaceutical industry and we will no longer tolerate them trampling on our freedom of expression our freedom of speech our freedom to worship our property rights our rights to jury trial all the rights that they have stolen from us over the past year on november 3rd we begin the counteroffensive to reclaim those rights that's right uh, we have to get out there. We have to, not just one day. It's got to be continuous, as uh, Gerald Slinty pointed out. You know, it, it's and, and it's hard. You know, we, I, I sympathize with that, and I understand that. I, I think um, that is going to be less effective than what uh, Ron Johnson is doing. But I think we ought to try everything. I mean, I don't have much faith in the courts either, but I think we ought to try everything. They try everything. Uh, so uh, if that is something that you w- want to do or can organize wherever you are, do it by all means. Americans who received the single-dose Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine were 3.5 times more likely to develop blood clots. You see, when they keep telling us, oh, but it's rare, it's very rare. Well, it's not rare anymore, is it? I mean, we've never seen these kinds of rare diseases at this frequency. We have now had things like myocarditis and pericarditis become household words. What does that say? Well, that speaks volumes. 
and it tells you that they're not rare. Do you want to have a heart attack? You know, you got choices here. See, th- this is the thing. America is all about freedom. It's all about choices. So you got choices. It's a multiple choice. When you uh, go to get your vaccine or when the employer comes to you, they say, well, you got a choice. Do you want to get the uh, heart attack shot uh, or do you want to get the blood disease shot? Or do you want to get fired? Say, we got choices. I, you know, I'm all about free choice and freedom. Say, people like Biden, you know, that's, uh, I, I think in America we should have lots of choices. Those are your choices. You want a heart attack? You want blood disease? You want uh, paralysis? That could be one of the things there. You know, which one of these shots, these Trump juice shots, do you want? They're pushed through without testing, thanks to the Donald. Which one of these untested vaccines do you want? And um, Or, you know, the uh, alternative, if it's none of the above, uh, that's unemployment. So, again, as I pointed out, the Irish, 90% of them. Uh, so why are the hospitalizations there the worst since March? It's actually going up. Irish hospitals now have 513 COVID patients with 97 of them in intensive care, which is a jump from 74 recorded last week. In other words, it went up by 30%, 33%. And they point out, same thing is happening here in the States. You look at the places where you've got the most number of people vaccinated, and that's where you're having the sage. The sage is there. It appears that whatever the mechanism is, whether it is ADE, a leaky vaccine that is creating variants, or whether it is the vaccine itself, which is what I think it is, either way, higher vaccination rates are directly correlated everywhere, from state to state within the United States, from country to country around the world. Higher vaccination rates are directly correlated to an increase in illness and sickness identified as COVID. In New England states, the highest vaccinated region in the U.S., they've experienced a surge, a surge of cases here. In Singapore, for example, despite one of the world's highest levels of vaccination, They're battling a big surge in COVID cases. See, the only problem with that is it isn't despite one of the world's highest levels of vaccination. It's because they have one of the world's highest levels of vaccination. Not despite, but because. The only reason that you would say despite is because of the propaganda, because of the brainwashing. You come at it from the, well, this can't possibly be true because I keep hearing this echo chamber everywhere that they're safe and effective. So how can this be? This doesn't make any sense, except it's happening everywhere. So maybe you need to rethink that propaganda. Maybe you need to rethink that scientific advice from so-called experts. So as I pointed out, it's a bit ironic that it is belatedly, that Singapore is belatedly easing entry restrictions on travelers from India, which has one of the lowest infection rates as measured per 100,000 people. Why is that? Because they're using ivermectin and because they're not getting vaccines. It's just that simple. Just that simple. That's what's happening in India. Rochelle Walensky has pointed out that vaccines do not prevent transmission of the virus. The Lancet has pointed out that vaccines do not stop transmission of the virus. So if you want a vaccine passport, if you want vaccine mandates, you want them because you want to control people, not because you want to control a virus. There is no difference in transmission. Irish hospitals, again, have 101 people in intensive care, 
an increase from 74 last week. It looks like it was increasing just from going page to page. It went from 93 to 101. <laughs> uh, and then with all of this information, I just want to cap this off with what the message from the establishment media looks like. The Guardian. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. They should call it the globalist, because that's what they become, a globalist mouthpiece. So the Guardian headline says, flu, cancer, HIV, after COVID success... COVID success? What are they talking about here? It hasn't done anything to stop this. The places where they had the most uh, vaccinations, you got the most problems right now. You got the biggest surges. It's not a success. It is, um, unless you're looking at depopulation, which, by the way, maybe they are. You know, maybe the Guardian has always been a part of this uh, climate alarmism depopulation. So maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe they're just not mockingbird mouthpieces. But they say, after the COVID success, what is next for mRNA vaccines? And listen to what they talk about with mRNA vaccines. It's one of the most remarkable success stories of the pandemic, they say. The unproven, unproven technology that delivered Moderna and Pfizer vaccines in record time. It was Trump who did that. Yeah, Trump. He, he was the one who shut down the testing. So they delivered them in record time, helping to turn the tide on COVID-19. No. The vaccines are based on mRNA, the molecule that instructs our cells to make specific proteins. By injecting synthetic mRNA, our cells are turned into on-demand vaccine factories. And that's the way that Moderna described it. Pumping out any protein we want into our immune system to help it learn to recognize and to destroy See, that is the purpose of a vaccine, is to train the immune system, but it's always been done by exposing it to a weak or dead pathogen. In this particular case, you're turning your body into a factory to produce deadly pathogens, the protein spike. And so um, th this is the way that they're pushing this stuff. Pre-pandemic, the technology was viewed with skepticism. It was a clever concept, but it was not guaranteed to deliver. Now, there is growing confidence that mRNA vaccines could have far-reaching applications. Everything from flu to malaria. So they talk about flu, cancer, malaria, HIV. It's just a miracle cure. I mean, we've been told this by the Pope. We've been told this by Franklin Graham. We've been told it by lesser-known evangelical leaders such as Al Mohler and Robert Jeffress. They've all told us this is a miracle from God. 
This is a moonshot. Uh, you should take this. You should take it. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the amazing statement made by President Trump in an interview yesterday. Uh, very, very uh, <laughs> candid what he had to say uh, about who controls our government. We will be right back. Stay with us. Has your news been censored, banned, censored, banned over and over again? Has vital information been held prisoner by mainstream and anti-social media? It's the duty of every thinking person to make the great escape to thedavidnightshow.com. There you'll find links to live streams, videos, audio podcasts, and support links. Live stream the show at DLive and Trovo every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Videos at BitChute and YouTube. New audio podcast, The Real David Knight Show, at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and more. But even though there's a light at the end of the tunnel, without your support, the show will run out of gas. The links to support the show are at thedavidnightshow.com to donate via Subscribestar, donate via or donate via Cash App, Bitcoin, or P.O. Box. Our sincere thanks to all of you who have stood with us to get this far. Please don't forget to share the links and pray for the country as well as our family. Hear news now at APSRadioNews.com or get the APS Radio app and never miss another story. I don't mind if you big. I don't mind if you small. Mind you so magic one size fits all. It's time to rise up, and let's understand what this is. Let's understand whose juice this is. You know, we had uh, Donald Trump talking to Judge Janine. I think it was on Saturday that this happened. And I want to play for you uh, what she asked him about all the people that had supported him being fired now and about what is happening with this being pushed onto our kids. So I want you to hear this interchange about the Trump juice between Judge Janine and Donald Trump. Let's go ahead and roll it. 
Let's talk about um, what's going on in this yeah, country with there. the firing of police okay. officers, firemen, nurses, the ones who were our heroes. They were on billboards yeah. all over the country. And now what we've got are, you know, we're talking about vaccinating kids who were five years old to 12 years old and then forcing them to continue to wear masks. Um, our heroes are being fired. They're losing their jobs. Are you sorry you didn't fire Anthony Fauci? Oh. Well, it's not because of him they're losing their job. It's because of some bad policies that are being it's made not because by the of Biden Fauci. administration. But it's not because of Fauci. Look, if you look it's at Biden. my relationship with Fauci, See, first of Fauci? All, he's been there like for 40 years. So yeah. you walk in and, you know, he goes, hi, my name's Tony. Oh, great. Hi, Tony. How you doing? <laughs> but everything he told me to, you know, suggested that we do, I didn't do. I went the opposite. Bull he wanted to keep crap. China open. Yeah, I closed good. it to China. We it's would have lost. Fauci wanted to keep China open? Oh, yeah, for a long time. And he actually said, President Trump saved thousands and thousands of lives. I was the only one. I was sitting in a room with many, many people. I said, we have to close it to China. I then closed it to Europe because I saw what was going on in Europe. And we saved thousands of lives. And what I did do, and we want freedom, and we want all of this, and this was a great achievement, though, worldwide, because I think you would have had a 1917 like the Spanish flu, where 100 million and maybe 100 million oh, yeah. people Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I got the vaccine done, three vaccines, right. in less than nine months. They said it was going to take five years, and it probably wouldn't get done. I got them done. And they do work, and they're great. And I'm very proud of them. But people shouldn't be forced to take them. Yeah. And she just sits there, soaking it up. No questions asked. What a pathetic display of Fox News. Judge Janine, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're part of this cover-up. You heard him. Uh, it's not Fauci. It's not Fauci. It's not him. It's this administration. It's Biden. Everything is simply about partisan politics. You must not criticize or fire Fauci. You look at what Trump did with everybody else, right? How many people did he fire? How many people did he trash talk? But he is still deferential and defending Fauci. Now, I didn't do what he told me to do, he says. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You approved Moderna. You approved Pfizer. You did it at warp speed. You made sure that there were no political rallies while you were campaigning for president. You made sure that uh, we had a lockdown corrupt election where they were going to be able to mail out ballots without any authorization to people, people getting multiple ballots from multiple jurisdictions. You enabled all of that. You refused to have campaign rallies, political conventions. You locked down and destroyed the middle class Trump. You called us non-essential Trump. And now the essential people are being hit with this. Oh, so it always goes that way. But the middle class, small business were non-essential. You allowed the CDC to assume powers they don't even remotely have. And I'm talking about even things like uh, uh, taking control over evictions and over uh, uh, foreclosures. You stood back. You let Fauci do everything, Trump. You did nothing to stop him. And you still won't criticize him. What does that tell you about how controlled Donald Trump is? We saved thousands of lives. He was telling people before the campaign, I saved two million lives. See, Fauci told me because of this simulation from the Imperial College of London that 2.2 million Americans are going to die based on a faulty model that said uh, it wasn't going to be a curve. It was going to be a straight line going up forever. Based on an implementation of that faulty model in Fortran that, as the University of Edinburgh pointed out, 
they couldn't get the same answer twice with the same data input. Because of that, he was bragging that he saved 2 million people before he was running for re-election. He pushed the CDC lies. He pushed the panic. He allowed himself to be a stooge for Fauci. He's still a stooge for Fauci. He was the idiot standing over on the side talking about, you know, well, I think I heard it's something called, what is it, HCQ, hydroxychloroquine or something? I think he called it HCQ. And Fauci's like, oh, yeah, you don't know science. Uh, this, this guy, he says things, and I have to talk to him later on and explain to him how things are. Same thing that Pompeo said about wars in the Middle East. When they ask him, they, you know, Trump goes out and says, yeah, we're going to get out of Afghanistan. And Pompeo says, uh, he says things like that. And we have to take him aside and we have to talk to him. That kind of condensation, uh, condensation that kind of condescension uh, from uh, people like Pompeo. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That kind of condescension from the pharmaceutical rep, Fauci, tells you who really owns him, doesn't it? He's got a lot of owners. He just doesn't have them on his suit like a NASCAR driver. But he's got a lot of owners. And we're going to talk about another one of his owners that he pointed out. But then he brags about getting the vaccine done in less than five months. See, his only contribution was to shut down the testing, to shut down the safety. And that's why we're here today. That's why I will not stop talking about Trump. He is still an outsized presence in the Republican Party. He is still deceiving and grifting and dividing. So if you recall, when uh, what he did... He had his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, told the FDA commissioner, Stephen Hahn, who, by the way, has now moved on to work for Moderna. He told him to quit if the agency didn't clear the vaccine by the end of the day. That was widely reported, and Trump tweeted out that particular day. He said, uh, uh, get the damn vaccine out now. And by the way, he doesn't know how to spell it. He put it in there as a water dam. <laughs> this is the other part of Trump. You know, this is the argument you can make that he's just a stupid stooge, but he's a corrupt, stupid stooge as well. Uh, so get the damn vaccines out now, all uppercase, Dr. Hahn. Stop playing games and start saving lives. And it was very clear that he was going to be fired that very day if he get, didn't get it done. Yeah, see, the Trump juice kills. The Trump juice does not protect. The Trump juice does not protect against transmission. The Trump juice does not protect against death and illness. It causes death and illness. And his contribution to that was to pour 
tens of billions of dollars into the pharmaceutical companies to pay for their development, to use the military to rush it out to people, to protect them against all liability and all criticism. So that's what he's continuing to do, even after he's out of office. And, you know, he finishes by saying, but people shouldn't be forced to take them. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. You see, what is happening here is that Trump was necessary to compartmentalize people's thinking. Trump tells you uh, that, uh, oh, yeah, I did the vaccine and it's wonderful, but it's Biden who's forcing it on everybody. It's not even Fauci. It's not Fauci. It's not the FDA. They're not the problem. It's just Trump. It's just Biden. So you got to get rid of Biden, but leave everything else the way it is. Just, just put me in his chair. What a pathetic narrative that is. So it was necessary to have this compartmentalized for the public, to have Trump develop it and Biden mandate it. That was what this is all about. But he's not just owned by big pharmaceutical companies. He had this to say in an interview. Well, you know, the biggest change I've seen in Congress is Israel literally owned Congress. You understand that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it was so powerful. It was so powerful. And today it's almost the opposite. Uh, you have between AOC and Omar and these people that hate Israel. They hate it with a passion. They're controlling Congress. And Israel is not a force in Congress anymore. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. I've never seen such a change. And we're not talking about over a very long period of time. But I think you know exactly what, I, what I'm saying. They had such power. Israel had such power and rightfully, over Congress. And now it doesn't. It's mm -hmm. incredible, actually. They had such power over Congress, and rightfully, they should have power over Congress. That is just stunning. It's equally stunning to see the pushback when I criticize this from people. Oh, you're just anti-Semitic. Now, let me tell you, the Israeli government is doing the same thing with Netanyahu and the guy who replaced him as uh, the American government dead with Trump and the guy who replaced him. Because, you see, the Israeli government is Mossad and the U.S. government is the CIA, and they work together. And the people who are being harmed by this are the Israeli people. Let me tell you, Mossad is anti-Semitic, and the CIA is anti-American. So I tweeted out, I said, uh, Trump says that Israel literally owned Congress. You heard him. Literally owned Congress, and they still should. It was so powerful, and it was rightfully so. I said, so why should a foreign government, any foreign government, Trump, why should a foreign government own Congress? Why should that be allowed? Why should that be a good thing? That's a good thing, according to Trump. And why should big pharmaceutical companies own government? Let me tell you something. Trump is owned by Israel. Trump is owned by big pharmaceutical companies. He's got a lot of sponsors. But we know that he's got those two are his biggest sponsors, perhaps. No question about it. Why are people supporting a foreign trader? I never jumped into this Russia thing. I still don't believe that, that was the case. <laughs> but that was a misdirection. If you want to know the foreign government that owns Trump, he just told you. Just told you who it is. He, make, he is, doesn't even try to hide it. Uh, it was pointed out by uh, Information Liberation that during a Winston-Salem, North Carolina event, September 8th, last year, 2020, Trump said 
The fact is, we don't have to be in the Middle East other than we want to protect Israel. We've been very good to Israel. Other than that, we don't have to be in the Middle East. You know, there was a time we needed desperately oil. We don't need that anymore. So we just need to be there. I had people who got back to me and said things like this. Well, that's terrible for him to say that. I agree. But don't fuel the narrative of some brainless national socialists, in other words, Nazis, spells out socialists, uppercase, about the Jews being the cause of everything in life. Uh, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that uh, I didn't fuel that discussion. I replied to her, I said, I didn't do that. Trump did that. I'm pointing out that this guy is owned by Israel. He's owned by a foreign government. He's owned by pharmaceutical companies. You got a problem with that? What about the people that he owns? You know, people like Alex Jones and Steve Pachinik, are they owned by Israel as well? They certainly act like it, don't they? Certainly act like it. Pachinik and his Kissinger connections. Man, I tell you, these people. So Trump's got a new platform. And this is another one of these left versus right things that are coming up out here, right? He's got a new platform. His platform is blocking Gab and blocking Brideon. And when you look at his new platform, his new platform is called Truth, right? And you have uh, retruths when you retweet stuff and everything. It's like a Twitter clone. Finally gets around to doing it. But, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's completely his idea. I'm sure there's nobody else involved. There's nothing to see here. Oh, we're going to take a look at what is, who is behind this organization, this truth media. Uh, but it's interesting enough that you have George Soros, the uh, Trump of the left, is out there, and he's starting a new social media system as well. Now, he's not calling his truth. He's calling his good information. <laughs> see, it's the left right, march, attorney. They're completely different. They really are. They just happen to do all the same things, and they do everything they can to divide us against each other into this partisan, mind-numbing ignorance that we can't see what's going on here. Oh, yeah, we got Soros out there, and he's doing good information, and Trump is doing truth. And they both say the same thing. You could put this same quote in either one of their mouths. America is currently in the throes of a disinformation epidemic that is threatening public health, social trust, democracy around the world. Good information believes that there is an unmet audience demand for fact-based information. Well, that's what his, you know, his truthy media is going to do. And, of course, he picked a guy to run this that um, is an interesting character. Patrick Orlando has... Um, been working on a deal with Trump since at least March. Now, this is something that could have some real liability for him as well. He put together a SPAC, an S-P-A-C. I don't know if they pronounce it or they just use it by the initials. But a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. And so Trump agreed to merge his social media venture. Did you know that he had a social media venture? <laughs> he had a WordPress blog. That wasn't a social media venture. But he agreed to merge his blog with um, this newly created thing and um, and then sell shares on Wall Street. And it shot straight up. And then it, it retra retracted quite a bit. I think uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene lost a lot of money on that. Uh, anyway, um, 
So as they point out, uh, Trump has been largely shut out of the mainstream financial industry because of his history of bankruptcies and loan defaults, which are really essentially uh, failing and then blackmailing the banks and saying, you know what, if you foreclose on me, it's going to take your entire operation down. You, I own you because you loan me so much money. That's blackmail. Same thing Pfizer's doing basically to people. Anyway, to get his deal done, he ventured into unregulated and sometimes shadowy corner of Wall Street. He worked with an unlikely cast of characters, the former Apprentice contestants, and a small Chinese investment firm based out of a city called Wuhan. (laughs) With a little-known Miami banker named Patrick Orlando. His name is Orlando, but he's in Miami. Mr. Orlando had been discussing a deal with Trump since at least March. Now, why is this relevant? Well, because uh, sparks are supposed to be, or SPACs, rather, are supposed to be empty vessels. Stock exchanges allow them to list their shares without disclosing financial information. Oh, well, that sounds like something Trump would want to have, right? I can do this without disclosing any financial information about who's ultimately behind this thing. So it creates opportunities for SPACs to serve as a backdoor vehicle to go public without receiving the kind of investor scrutiny that you would if you did it traditionally. In order to prevent that, SPACs are not supposed to have a merger planned at the time of their IPO. Oh, wait a minute. But he's been working with this guy on the merger since March. And that's where the problem is. The Digital World Acquisition made its debut on the NASDAQ Stock Market Exchange last month, but they have skirted the securities laws and the stock exchange rules. Now, if this was Nancy Pelosi or some Democrat, they would just look the other way. They're not going to look the other way for Trump. He's not well-liked in Washington. That doesn't make him a good guy. That doesn't make him a hero. It just makes him somebody that they don't like for obvious reasons. Uh, but anyway, that's another issue is that Digital World's security filings repeatedly stated that the company and its executives had not engaged in any substantive discussions directly or indirectly with a target company, even though Mr. Orlando had been in discussions with Trump for six months. Mr. Orlando was part of a recent crop of SPAC entrepreneurs, a former derivatives trader at Deutsche Bank. Oh, yeah, Trump's got some connections there, too, doesn't he? He was an executive at a sugar merchant. He was better known for his role as a spokesperson for his family in a grisly murder. In December 2010, his half-sister was found strangled and drowned in a bathtub in Manhattan. Tabloids swarmed as her boyfriend and the son of an Oscar-winning songwriter were accused, later convicted, of the murder. Mr. Orlando, 38 at the time, spoke with prosecutors and the media on the family's behalf. It isn't clear how Mr. Orlando initially connected with Mr. Trump. But he just seems to have these chance, coincidental connections to mafia figures, Mossad figures, people who are around suspicious murders. It's almost like he's Hillary Clinton. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Pass to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing. And the communist future. 
They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com If you like the Eagles, on a dark desert highway, the cars, and Huey Lewis in the news. You'll love the Classic Hits channel at APS Radio. Download our app or listen now at APSradio.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Supreme Court because we have a very strange uh, uh, sequence of decisions from the uh, Supreme Court, assuming that you're going to get what you want out of political appointments. But as I've said many times, uh, if you believe that, you're dumber than Forrest Gump. (laughs) Because Forrest Gump, at least, pointed out, uh, the, <laughs> he didn't say it about the Supreme Court, but it is just as true. It's like a box of chocolates, and you never know what you're going to get when you put somebody in the Supreme Court. But you kind of do know when you're limited to picking people out of Georgetown University for the most part. Uh, that's pretty obvious what you're going to get. Now, we got a couple of interesting things that have happened with the Supreme Court. Uh, none of them good, by the way. And uh, already it's looking, as I pointed out yesterday, it's looking like uh, Trump is one out of three for his picks, which is about par for the course. It's what we've seen for Republican presidents going back to Ronald Reagan. And it was, you know, the, the moral majority got behind Reagan because he was going to pack the Supreme Court with conservatives that were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. They had already begun on a real strategy that should have been used. It was a strategy that was not predicated on uh, political power and packing the court. Uh, The strategy that they threw away for that with Reagan was to go back to the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, particularly the Tenth Amendment, and and they had already put together a coalition to do that. But instead they decided, well, we'll just go the easy route. We will support the idea that the president uh, should, uh, you know, politicize the Supreme Court, and everybody has bought into that now. Everybody's fighting over that. And we'll buy into the idea that the Supreme Court is all-powerful, and we don't want to have a separation of powers. We don't want to have a separation of powers within the federal government. We'll make the Supreme Court all-powerful there. And we don't want to have a separation of powers between the federal government, the states, and we the people. No, no, no. We'll put all of our baskets in the federal and and the Supreme Court, and then we will pack that basket with good eggs because we've elected Ronald Reagan or because we've elected Donald Trump. So let's take a look at some of these Supreme Court decisions, and let's take a look at the Texas law, which has, I think, well, we'll get to that in a moment. 
The Supreme Court has declined to determine if you have a First Amendment right to film the police. This is from Reason Magazine, and they point out that the Supreme Court has now declined to consider a petition from a man who says that his free speech rights were violated when a group of cops searched his tablet without a warrant, and they attempted to delete a video that he took of them beating a suspect. Now, here's what happened. Officers with the Denver Police Department cornered Levi Frazier in the summer of 2014 after they noticed that he had recorded an altercation moments prior. The video showed a cop punching a suspect in the face six times while executing an arrest over an alleged drug deal. The man had a sock in his mouth that the cops thought was contraband, and it captured a different officer throwing a woman to the ground by her ankle when she approached the scene screaming. Upon noticing Frazier filming them, a Denver police officer shouted, Camera! And the group proceeded to harass him for the footage. Why would they do that? Did they think they were doing something wrong? I mean, why would they be ashamed of that, right? Uh, Frazier says the police implied that they would jail him if he refused to produce a clip. Well, we could do this the easy way or we could do it the hard way, said one of the officers. Despite Frazier's protestations, the police then confiscated the tablet, went through it without the owner's permission. Those officers were given qualified immunity, a legal doctrine that allows a slew of state actors to infringe on your rights if the way they went about doing so has not been specifically ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Now, this is a key part of this, this fantasy that if the Supreme Court doesn't specifically, very, very, very specifically outlaw a particular action, then the broader principles of law and of Constitution don't apply here because these are law enforcement officers and they shouldn't have to be capable of understanding the implications or the literal uh, uh, law, right? I mean, they're enforcing the law, but unless you tell them specifically, very, 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 very narrowly and very specifically, well, they, they uh, don't know what they're doing. That's what we're being told by the courts. So uh, unless it is ruled unconstitutional specifically by the Supreme Court or that same federal court, it's a standard that has seen government officials get off for assaulting and arresting a man for standing outside of his own home seen them get off for shooting and killing a man who had been sleeping in his car. It's seen them get off for beating a man after pulling him over for broken lights. Saw them get off for leaving an innocent man's home in ruins after conducting a SWAT raid on the wrong house. And for stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Without a prior ruling with exactly identical facts... The victims in all these scenarios are not allowed to state their claims before a jury. The standard is particularly egregious here because the Denver Police Department had enacted a policy back in 2007 informing officers that the public has a constitutional right to film them on duty 14 years ago. But that wasn't good enough, according to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit Court, which ruled in March that the only permissible avenue for overcoming qualified immunity is to find that perfect court precedent. The Tenth Circuit Court Appeal said in this particular case, judicial decisions are the only valid interpretive source of the content of clearly established law. You can't depend on training. You can't depend on their intellect to be able to read the law and understand it 
as law enforcement officers. No, no, no. They can't understand that. They can do anything they want as long as there isn't something that very, very specifically addresses that instance, even though we have the First Amendment, even though the Denver Police Department said, no, everybody has a right to film the police. When we're in public, the reason that they watch us all the time, uh, the principle, well, it's not the reason that they watch us, but the the uh, excuse that they make for constant surveillance is, well, there's no expectation of privacy if you're in public. Well, there's no expectation for privacy if you're a police officer doing something in public either, is there, then? Uh, so anyway, the rationale for qualified immunity is that officials should be free from vacuous lawsuits and thus deserve to be put on notice as to what is and what is not constitutional behavior. The problem is that the... Um, uh, the law puts them on notice. Again, these are law enforcement officers. Can they not read the Constitution? Can they not read the law? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I mean, they're supposed to be trained for that. To understand how to apply it. Are they not supposed to be able to figure out how to apply it to themselves? Without special, specific judicial instructions. What's particularly stunning here is that the people who wrote the training manual were able to correctly synthesize the law and conclude that the officer's actions violated a constitutional right. So the Free Speech Council at Tech Freedom. He said, rule that qualified immunity protects them even though the department correctly pieced together the clearly established law to train them that such conduct is unlawful simply because a court hadn't ruled on that particular fact pattern is extremely, is extreme judicial hubris. And that's the point, folks. This isn't even so much about law enforcement officers and whether or not they're going to be held accountable when they violate law. This is really about establishing an absurd level of judicial supremacy. And once we do this, once we establish judicial supremacy, these people rule as little dictators, and they have their little fiefdoms. For example, in this particular case, filming people, Protected by the First Amendment. The First, the Third, the Fifth, the Seventh, the Ninth, and the Tenth Circuit Courts have all acknowledged a First Amendment right to film the police. But guess what? These people are under the Tenth Circuit Court. And the Tenth Circuit Court didn't tell them specifically that they had to do it. So it doesn't matter that you have, it doesn't matter that you have a constitution that says people are allowed to film you. It doesn't matter that you have training telling you that people are allowed to film you. It doesn't matter that you've got one, two, three, four, five, six circuit courts that say the First Amendment says you can be filmed in public spaces, police officers. No, 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 because the Tenth Circuit Court didn't say it. Then they're off free. And this is your Supreme Court saying that. The Supreme Court saying that. Now, let's talk about this abortion ban situation. Anybody who knows me 
knows that I am pro-life. But I, ha- I see a great deal of problems with this law. A great deal of problems with this law. And I see even more problems with the quote-unquote solution that is being proposed, argued before the Supreme Court. So this, this Texas abortion law, which essentially allows people to uh, act as kind of, um, you know, under, uh, kind of semi-deputizes people, if you will, you know, it's not done under government authority, and that's the novel approach that they came up with. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want to directly challenge the usurpation of power by the Supreme Court. So instead, they, instead of addressing that problem, they tried to finesse around it, and they have created a whole Pandora's box full of problems. So the people who were arguing this before the Supreme Court, when I looked at these arguments, I was just stunned at the arguments from both sides. Both sides are proposing a heinous situation that is really going to undermine our liberty and the rule of law. It's a very complex situation, and both sides are wrong on this. But we also have to be careful that we don't embrace this end justifies the means thing. We also have to be careful that we don't embrace the rewriting of our Constitution and then just try to proceed from that. We need to rip up some of these roots that have been laid down that have destroyed our Constitution. And one of those key roots is Roe v. Wade. See, Roe v. Wade is about much more than killing babies. It's about much more than killing families. It's about killing the Constitution and establishing uh, Supreme Court supremacy and judicial supremacy in a way that uh, takes it beyond Marbury versus Madison. (coughs) So let's talk a little bit about the arguments that were made yesterday. This case did not deal directly with whether or not this ban was lawful. Instead, the justices were wrestling with whether or not the Department of Justice and the abortion providers can bring federal lawsuits against Texas or state officials in an effort to block this law. And that's one of the, you know, the the novel way that they set this thing up was to make sure that they kept the state uh, out of this. What they're saying is individuals can sue and bring action against Uh, people who are facilitating or performing an abortion. You can sue them in court, you know, and and get a set amount. And so the justices are saying, well, has the state removed themselves from this process or are they still in the center of this process? The challengers argued that Texas has effectively nullified the constitutional right to abortion. You hear that phrase? Where in the Constitution is there a right to abortion? Nowhere. The so-called right to abortion was Roe v. Wade, put there by SCOTUS. So if you say that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, and if you say that Roe v. Wade establishes constitutional rights, what you're saying is the Supreme Court is writing law. No, that's called the legislature. And you're also saying that not only are they writing law, but you can have a majority, you can have five out of nine politically appointed judges amend the Constitution. Do we want a system like that? You see, that is the big issue here. And that's really what needs to be attacked by the states, if we had anybody with a backbone to attack that. The real issue is the fact that we have allowed this to percolate now for 50 years, 
that the Supreme Court can write law, that the Supreme Court can amend the Constitution. And that's why this decision is so important to them, why it is as important as Marbury versus Madison, where the court gave itself the power to uh, do review of any law for constitutionality. This takes it to another level. And this is at the basis of judicial activism and tyranny that we have now seen. The rules have been created by the Texas legislature, the legislature said uh, the people opposing it. And it turns the courts into a weapon that can be used to nullify constitutional rights. There is no such thing as a constitutional right to kill a baby. None whatsoever. Uh, Monday's case marked the second time the Texas law, known as SB 8, has reached the justices in a previous 5-4 to four ruling, which broke largely along familiar ideological lines. The conservative majority court denied abortion providers' emergency requests to block the law. That September the 1st ruling, which did not address the measure's constitutionality, has been bouncing back and forth in the legal system while abortions in Texas have been curtailed. Uh, well, they haven't been curtailed. They've, been, they've dropped by about 50%. And that's a good thing. I, that's a good thing. I, I think there should be zero abortions. I've made that clear over and over again. You're, this is not a woman's choice. This is not a woman's body. What they're doing to us with the vaccine mandates, that is about our body. That is taking away our choice. But we're talking about a different body inside your body. We're talking about half the time, it's a different sex. All of the time, it's a different DNA, unique. Many times, it's a different blood type. This is another person. The question hinges not on whether or not it's your body. Uh, they have manipulated this discussion. Uh, they have had, uh, you know, now there's another strain of this saying, well, uh, it's not a person yet. And, of course, what they're saying when they um, dictate these vaccine mandates to you, taking away your humanity, what they are saying is that you're not a person. Taking away your personhood, taking away your rights. Let me tell you, there's absolutely no difference between, you know, we've had Rahm Emanuel's brother, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emmanuel, I think is his name. But he's talked about how beyond a certain age, you know, people shouldn't be allowed to live. There is no difference in principle between killing somebody who reaches the age of 65 or 70 or 75 or whatever arbitrary level you want to do that with. There's no difference between killing that person and killing a baby at 12 weeks or 16 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever arbitrary limit you want to put there. If you're going to establish a principle that uh, this person hasn't attained personhood because of their age or because of their age and physical condition, they have lost their personhood. We don't want a system like that. Only, uh, only criminals who want to kill humanity want a system like that. But let's talk about what's happening with this law. So Judge Stone, the Solicitor General of Texas, said the challengers should not be permitted to bring federal lawsuits against Texas or state officials because, by design, state actors are not charged with enforcing this. The whole thing was designed to keep SCOTUS out of it, Supreme Court. What they did was they essentially established a bounty system, but they also established a bounty system in a culture that we have now that is based on canceling people. Do you realize how they're playing with fire here? And that was the basis of some of the questioning by the Supreme Court justices. 
You know, when I first looked at this, I thought, all right, here we go again. We got Kavanaugh, we got uh, Barrett, and they're off, you know, uh, they're going. But they raised some very important issues about at, at what point would this be used? For example, Kavanaugh cited an amicus brief by a Second Amendment advocacy group asking whether or not SB 8 could become a model for suppressing other constitutional rights, you know, like the right to keep and bear arms. You know what's going to happen. If you accept this in principle, you're going to have a situation where somebody doesn't like you having a gun. And um, so to enact gun control, you'll have uh, New York and California, New Jersey and places like that, Illinois. They will enact a situation where somebody can bring a lawsuit against you because you possess a gun. They consider that to be assault. It scares them. And uh, you should be shut down. And the people who sold it to you should be shut down as well. Or you have a situation where you say something that they find to be offensive, hateful, bullying, racist. Whether it is or not, they'll label it as such. And they'll take you to court, and they'll get a fine, and they'll shut down uh, you on social media. More importantly, they'll shut down the independent press. <clears throat> That's what it'll predominantly be used. It'll be used to cancel free speech rights. It'll be used to cancel the First Amendment. It'll be used to cancel the Second Amendment. It'll be used to cancel religious liberty because they find your religious services to be hateful. You believe that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. That's hateful. I'm injured by that belief, and I'm going to take you to court. And you will have states who will do this. I guarantee you, you will. And so they're right to question this. This is a bad way to respond to a bad Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. They are not nullifying a constitutional right. But what Texas should have done is to nullify a wrong Supreme Court decision. They have the constitutional power to nullify anything that any branch of the federal government does, whether it is an executive order by Biden to force you to have a vaccine mandate. You have the expectation, and, and you should have state officials who will stand against that and defend your individual liberty, just as Trump should have stood against governors, Democrat governors, Oh, those bad Democrats. He should have stood against them and done something to stop them. He should have stood against these people in his administration that were doing this, like Fauci, who he is still afraid to criticize. Think about that. No, you should have people, whether it's a, a president at the federal level, protecting your constitutional rights against a state that is infringing on them, or whether it's a state protecting you from a federal government that is infringing upon them. Every one of these jurisdictions swore to uphold the Constitution, and, they, and as part of that, they swear to uphold your individual liberties. And the same thing is true of local governments, protecting you from both the state and the federal government. But see, when you ignore all of that structure that we had, and when you ignore those principles, and when you set a precedent that anybody who doesn't like what you're doing, that the government can set up a bounty system to intimidate you and to put you out of business, that's very dangerous. But let's take a look at their remedy for this. What does the left want out of this? So um, they point out Baird appeared uh, to be skeptical that Texas state courts could provide the same scope of protection for abortion access as federal courts could. So I just want to point that out to you before we get into the left. Amy Coney Barrett, 
was portrayed by everybody as, oh, look at this. You know, she's a hardcore Christian. She's so pro-life. They were very concerned. They believed it, too. You know, the left tried to keep her out because they thought she was too pro-life. But you hear what she's saying? She's saying the Texas state courts can't protect abortion as well as federal courts can. That's Barrett. You see how these people play you? How they lie to you? How... When you put these people in office, they turned out to be completely something different. It's not just Trump's appointments, it's Trump himself. Uh, so <clears throat> she said, um, when she was talking to the uh, Texas um, uh, defense lawyer, defending the, the, um, the Texas law, uh, Barrett said to him, you cannot get that kind of global relief in the same way that a federal court gives you relief from the prospect that the statute would be enforced against you. Then you had um, another person who was the solicitor, who's now the solicitor general for the Senate. In other words, she's the other side. She is pro-abortion. And she said uh, she asked questions about how to define the federal government's authority to sue states suspected of undermining constitutional rights. She said uh, the authority that you assert to respond to it is as broad as it can be. It's equity. You said we have the authority to sue states under equity, which is limitless and ill-defined authority. I'm sorry, that was uh, Roberts talking to her. So he's saying, wait a minute, if you say that you have the authority as a solicitor for the uh, Senate, solicitor general for the Senate, if you say that you have the authority as a federal uh, representative for the Senate to sue the states, then that is limitless. And that is an authority that's not very well-defined. So you see, the Democrats are saying, well, we've got this. The Republicans say, we've got this unique, complex strategy to defend innocent life. And then the Democrats say, well, we want to have abortions. And so we're going to come up with another way to do this. And both of these things are really horrific, if you stop and think about it. They'll probably wind up with some mixture of the two. So you had a group of abortion providers that brought a federal lawsuit this summer to block the law prior to its September the 1st effective date. The group identified Texas state court clerks and judges as defendants, as well as a private person whom the abortion providers believe would try to enforce SB 8. They said, while the justices' questions and comments during oral arguments are far from foolproof indication about how they'll vote in a case, even one of the court's staunchest anti-abortion voices Justice Clarence Thomas seemed troubled on Monday that Texas was overreaching in its defense of the abortion ban. So I like Clarence Thomas, and I think one of the things he realizes here is it matters how you do this. Now, Clarence Thomas probably doesn't support uh, the repeal, or, or the nullification, I should say, states nullifying Roe v. Wade. What should have happened? You know, Roe v. Wade was originally a Texas law. And uh, if you read the Roe v. Wade decision, you should read it know what you're talking about. If you read it, they begin by saying, well, you know, we can't just enforce our own personal opinions and all these other things out there. We, we have to follow the Constitution, and yet they don't make any constitutional argument for it. What they make are, well, we have uh, people who think that life begins this way. In other countries, they recognize this particular, uh, you know, how many weeks, you know, in this other country. And, and then you have some people who are scientists, and they say it's this. And, and so they were looking, not in the Constitution, but they were looking at what so-called science experts said. 
They looked at laws from other countries. They don't pay attention to the Constitution or to the Declaration of Independence. They don't care anything about that in their decision. And they created what they think is law. They created what they think is a new constitutional right. And they call that the right to privacy. Have you seen any, any respect for privacy in anything that the federal government is doing? What? hypocrisy, that they would have the audacity to talk about privacy in the world that we live in today in 2021, or that they would talk about choice? Come on. Who do you think you're fooling? That's what really makes me angry. They think we're that stupid. So Clarence Thomas is troubled by the fact that, you know, the way Texas is doing this, he sounded dubious about Texas Solicitor General Judd Stone's claim that the law's provisions granting damages to those who sue over abortions is akin to state law, but he allowed plaintiffs to sue for outrage after being exposed to a shocking event. So, see, this is getting to the point we're talking about. You know, you get outraged by something that I say or that you say, oh, they can sue you. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he said... Um, quote-unquote, plaintiffs could sue for, quote-unquote, outrage, said uh, Judge Stone from Texas. So Clarence Thomas says, oh, wait a minute, forgive me, but I don't recall an outrage injury. <laughs> Where, what would that be? Where is that? What are we talking about, an outrage injury? Stone suggested that Texas courts might narrow the statute so that only plaintiffs who are personally impacted in some way by an abortion could be successful in pursuing a suit. But he said the Texas court should be left to do that without interference in advance from the federal courts. So throughout the arguments, you had Alito and Gorsuch were the most vocally supportive of Texas law. They were skeptical of the challenges against it. Both of them warned that proposed injunctions against the law threatened to upset the balance between federal and state governments. That's exactly true. They're right about that. You see, on the one hand, you're going to have the way Texas has done it they're going to enable a cancel mob when other states copy this. A cancel mob that will cancel the Second Amendment. A cancel mob that will cancel every aspect of the First Amendment and beyond. On the other hand, the, the Democrats come at this, and they want to make an even more uh, all-powerful federal government even more powerful. It's a lose-lose situation unless we turn to the rightful remedy. Nullification. Nullification. Nullification should have happened from the very beginning. It was a Texas law, Roe v. Wade, and Texas should have said, well, I'm glad you made your decision. Let's see you enforce it. And, of course, uh, they would have uh, pulled all kinds of money strings and so forth. But uh, that would have been the appropriate response, just as it was the appropriate response from Andrew Jackson when he said, the Supreme Court has made their decision. Let's see them enforce it. We have a division of power. We don't have a triangle a hierarchical system with the Supreme Court or the judiciary at the top. We have different spheres of authority by design to keep from having consolidation and centralization. And we need to maintain that. That is the most important thing. And when you throw that out, you wind up with these ad hoc reactionary laws from both the conservatives and from the liberals that are going to make our life hell, and they're going to take away any remaining rights that we may still possess. So in talking about this, uh, quote, I think we have to be concerned about the implications of the mechanisms that you propose. It's unprecedented, and it is contrary 
to our system of federal law to enjoin a state judge from even hearing a case. When has that ever been done? And how can that be justified? Said the uh, Supreme Court judges in opposing what the Democrats want to do. So uh, in defense of that, the uh, person who is a solicitor general of the Senate, uh, the Democrat, said, I recognize this seems like a novel case, and that is because it is a novel case. In the history of the United States, no state has done what Texas has done here. Well, so we got into this situation because Roe v. Wade was a novel situation. In the history of the United States, no court had ever presumed to write law and to amend the Constitution. We allowed that to stand. That was what was novel. That was what was a Pandora's box. And now these creatures that are coming out in reaction to that are making this problem much worse. There can be limitless lawsuits filed in any Texas county over a single abortion. And uh, so their approach is to have more judicial and legal tyranny, more federal power, rather than to enforce a clear law, a division of power, and the Tenth Amendment. And I have to say, if there's anything in you that rises up, and I understand that we're talking about the lives of innocent babies here, But let me say to you that the lives of innocent babies and adults and future generations are at stake when you're talking about throwing out the rule of law and due process and having these raw powers compete against each other in a tyrannical way. That will kill as well. When you kill our system of liberty and of law, you will kill people eventually as well. And um, so... Uh, It's a very uh, distressing situation. It's an insane situation. The obvious and more direct solution is one that requires political will and backbone, and there's nobody to apply that. They're trying to weasel around this thing because they don't have in Texas the ability to stand up to Roe v. Wade. Nobody will do it. And, of course, the Supreme Court justices won't. Uh, So um, as uh, the... um, Texas Solicitor General Judd Stone said, he said it'd be quite difficult to get legislation through Congress. I'm sorry, this is Kavanaugh. He said it'd be quite difficult to get legislation through Congress. Are you saying that absent the Second Amendment rights, the free exercise of religion rights, free speech rights, that these could be targeted by other states if you have this type of approach uh, against abortion? And the Texas Solicitor General said, um, yeah, it could. He said there's nothing on this that turns on the nature of the right. So Texas is saying, you understand what they're doing, and this is why this is so reprehensible. The Texas Solicitor General is saying there is a constitutional right to an abortion. Why? Because the Supreme Court said so. And we've come up with a trick to get around and to subvert that constitutional right. And then when he is asked by Kavanaugh, he says, yeah, the uh, same thing could be used to get rid of constitutional rights about Second Amendment, about the free exercise of religion, about free speech, and on and on. He openly admits it. He openly admits it. Uh, and in one other case at the Supreme Court, which also involves, interestingly enough, religious liberty. You know, we are uh, – anybody that doesn't think that uh, the center of uh, all this stuff is around religious liberty – Just look at what's happened in the last year. You know, when things were shut down, the only people who stood up against the lockdown were some churches. And they were hammered by this. And now, 
when we have this mandate uh, that is essentially trying to lock down individuals as they locked down and destroyed small businesses, small entrepreneurs last year, now they want to destroy and lock down individuals by getting them fired. They're making that, you know, they're just, they continue to do this, as Fauci said, iteratively. It's done from the inside. It's done in a disruptive way. And it's done iteratively. And so the next step is to come after the individuals, as they did the small businesses last year. And as this is all happening, what is at the center of all of this? And that is religious liberty and beliefs. That is the surest way that we have of opposing this. I mean, there's many different reasons that it should be opposed. It should be opposed because, there, first of all, is no authority for Biden to, ex, uh, to put that out there. And I've had that posted at the top of my social media for a long time. It's like, I don't need to show you. I don't need to get an exemption from you. You need to show me the authority you have to try to force me uh, into house arrest and unemployment or to take a experimental shot. You show me that authority first. Show me your badge. And they reply and say, we don't need no stinking badges. But when it comes to uh, religious liberty, that is a bulletproof uh, defense. And if they throw that out, you're just involved in a truly lawless dictatorship. And we have seen that done in many places, in many ways. And so we know that it's a dictatorship. And so this is at the center of this. And so we now we have yet another religious issue here. The U.S. Supreme Court has spurned a Catholic hospital appeal over a transgender patient. Because what we have here is a clash of religions, a clash of worldviews. The, um, pattern, the pattern emerges of hostility to the exercise of religious beliefs, whether it's a vaccine or whether it's this transgender issue. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court declared to uh, declined rather to hear a bid by a Catholic hospital in California to avoid a lawsuit over its refusal to let its facilities be used to perform a hysterectomy on a transgender patient who sought the procedure as part of a gender transition from female to male. And they say that uh, the lawsuit said they intentionally discriminated against him. Well, hymns don't have uh, hysterectomies. Um, they don't have hysterectomies either. Uh, they don't have uteruses to be removed, so it wasn't a him. The justices on Monday also bolstered a Roman Catholic-led challenge to New York State federal requirement that health insurance policies provided by employers cover abortion services. Conservative justices Alito, uh, Thomas, Gorsuch said that they would have taken up both of these cases for argument. So... Um, they're not going to uh, allow religious freedom in terms of mandated insurance. They are not going to protect people who said, I'm not going to be compelled to do an operation against my religious belief. They said, no, we don't want to hear it. Just as they said, and this was coming again from Barrett, uh, she said, we don't want to hear anything about the main healthcare workers who object to the COVID vaccine mandate. Again, Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas said that we should have heard this case as well. They said in a uh, eight-page dissent, they said, quote, Maine's rule contains no exemption for those whose sincerely held religious beliefs preclude them from accepting the vaccination, unlike those of other states. Maine does not dispute that its rule burdens the exercise of sincerely held religious beliefs. They're, they're fine with that, right? Uh, you know, 
Gorsuch and Alito and Clarence Thomas are not fine with them just throwing out religious liberty. But the other six justices are. Including Kavanaugh and Barrett. So uh, this is a dissent that was written by Gorsuch. And it says, goes on to say, civil liberties face grave risks when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. Exactly what's happening here. So uh, they have also, in terms of vaccines, they declined to block Indiana's, Indiana University's vaccine mandate. And uh, that was Barrett as well in that. So you have two vaccine mandates, one of them coming from Maine, say we're not even going to consider a religious exemption. You have another one in Indiana University, and um, they won't listen to that either. And uh, you have uh, mandates in terms of you must do operations as a doctor or as a hospital in violation of your religious beliefs. And uh, we're going to require you to buy health insurance programs in violation of your religious beliefs that will uh, provide for abortions. I mean, we're seeing one of the most hostile to religious liberty, one of the most hostile courts that we have ever seen. And yet, when you look at this, is it really a surprise that Barrett and Kavanaugh are out there saying, we're not going to listen to people who are being forced to uh, get the vaccine in Maine or at the University of Indiana. Uh, you know, they got appointed by this guy. They have to get the shot. The vaccinations are so important. This is really going around. Yeah, see, this guy that you just heard there, he said that in the context of removing medical exemptions and religious exemptions for students to go to school, even private religious schools. See, Trump had nothing but contempt for that. He and his administration, they're the ones who appointed Kavanaugh and Barrett. So they're not the outliers. The outlier is Gorsuch. Gorsuch somehow got in accidentally. But Kavanaugh and Barrett are exactly what Trump would want, exactly what he would want. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. common man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com
Whether you're feeling like the blues or bluegrass, APS Radio has you covered. Check out a wide variety of channels on our app at APSRadio.com. All right, let's take a look at some headline news as well as uh, what is coming at us in terms of surveillance. And then we will get back into uh, some of the mandates, what is happening with that, with the New World Orders as well. We've got a lot to uh, cover before the program ends in this third hour. Uh, Digital ID. You know, we can see that this is coming. Of course, Apple can see that it's coming. Uh, They do pretty well in terms of predicting what's going to happen. And, of course, I'm sure that they've had a lot of instruction about this as well. Uh, they have people on the inside telling them what is uh, what is coming. They don't need to, to look at this and, and uh, make predictions like I do. They've got people actually telling them what they're going to do. So I find this to be very interesting, the fact that Apple is working on crash detection for iPhones and for Apple Watch. Now, what this will do is call 911 automatically after a car wrecks. So these people are positioning themselves. And this isn't anything that's really new. You know, Google has done this. Uh, They did this back in 2019. You can also get apps already in the App Store to do this type of thing. But they want to make this part and parcel of their operating system because they want to make the iPhone big brother. And if you remember, when we had the Snowden leaks, there was one set of three slides that were picked up by Der Spiegel in Germany, but nobody else in the U.S. really talked about this. And it was a set of three slides. The first one said, Who would have thought in 1984, and they show the iconic 1984 commercial that was uh, done for the Super Bowl, they only paid to air it once, but it has been famous because it was done by Ridley Scott. They paid big bucks for him to do that commercial, and they paid big bucks to put it on the Super Bowl, and then everybody just continued to play it. And it was essentially claiming that the Macintosh was going to be the antidote to the big brotherism of Microsoft. And so they said, who would have thought in 1984, and they showed that picture, and then they said that this would become Big Brother, and they showed Steve Jobs holding up an iPhone, and then the third slide said, and that the idiots would line up to pay for it. That's how they see us. We're the gullible fools who are paying for Big Brother. And that's what all of these phone companies are about. They're about being Big Brother. And so now... As uh, Eric Peters and I talked about last week, the continuing moves by the insurance companies to go around and say, well, we want to be able to have a black box monitoring of the way people drive and how much they drive and so forth. And the, the government is like, yeah, we'd like to have that, too, because we'd like to be able to tax people by the mile. And so it's like, yeah, let's let's have a partner. You know, we both have an interest in doing this. Let's do this. And uh, then you have Elon Musk who has that uh, black box already in the cars that he sells, and he's now saying, and I want to be an insurance company. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, we could do that too because, you know, you could help us to spy on people and to charge them and to limit their travel. Yeah, we have common cause. The government, the authoritarian government, has to have common cause with these big insurance companies and these technocrats that are out there. So they have common cause with Apple as well. Apple knows that this is coming. Apple was pretty early on with the ability to be able to pay electronically, you know, the touchless pay where you pull out your phone, you pay with your phone, that type of thing. And that is just uh, preparing us for living in a digital cash society. And so this is just the latest thing. So the idea being that it will look at the G-forces on your phone and it will be able to uh, say, oh, there's been a crash here. 
and they can dial 911. Now, the question is going to be, will there be anybody driving any ambulances? Will there be any EMS technicians? Or will they have been fired because they didn't get the vaccine? Now, there's a practical issue here. This is where the uh, metaverse of their fantasies meets reality. Somebody's got to actually get into a car and drive there and physically help you. You know, that can't be done virtually. So will that be there? And what happens if you, you know, are playing and you drop your phone or even throw your phone? Are you going to have 911 <laughs> show up there? Uh, well, they claim that they know better. You know, they don't make mistakes, right? The government doesn't make mistakes. Big tech doesn't make mistakes. But again, this has already been added to Google phones and others, but it's a harbinger of what is coming. Apple is doing this and embedding it into their system because they know that this is going to be a core feature of your life. And they're making that Big Brother device a core feature of your life. So they point out that this has been around with GM's OnStar going back to 1996, and yet it's far more than that right now. And so we have, as New American points out, thenewamerican.com, states are adopting digital IDs to include driver's licenses, vaccine cards, your vaccine passport, and all the rest of the stuff on your Big Brother device, your cell phone. Your money, your cash, everything about you, an entire dossier about you, right there. You know, it's amazing, too, when you look at this. The people in power have always been talking about this. The big new Brzezinski wrote back in the 1970s between two ages. He said what is coming is a technocratic age where everything about you will be available to the technocracy and the government. And the way that he proposed to do that was by unifying a world government. So big new Brzezinski said, we'll do it. You know, he was central after he wrote that book. He put together the Trilateral Commission. What were the three trilateral areas? Well, they were going to unify Europe, unify North America, and then um, uh, join those two power centers to Asia via China. That's what the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic Partnership were all about, those trade things. To unify these areas economically first, and then politically unify them, and then to join them together. And, of course, the U.S. was essentially the spine, the body, on which you would join those two wings of Europe and China together. So it's always about globalism. And, of course, because of those two things, because of his trilateral commission, because of his approach towards the technocratic age, he was put in to control the Carter administration. And look at the havoc that he unleashed. Look at what Kissinger unleashed when he was controlling the Nixon administration. All the new agencies that were created. You know, he created a lot more agencies, Richard Nixon did, than Jimmy Carter did. It wasn't just because he was in there longer. Uh, he created a lot more agencies. <clears throat> and um, he was only in for a couple more years than Jimmy Carter. But he created a lot of agencies. He created a lot of centralized state power for a lot of different things. And he was able to do that because, you know, of course, he's a Republican. And we all know the Republicans don't centralize government. They don't make an all-powerful government. That's only the Democrats that do that kind of stuff. That's why it happened under Trump. That's why you got to get over that guy. Uh, I don't need to get over him. You need to get over him. <laughs> all those people are pushing back on me. No, you're the ones who don't understand what happened in 2020. And you don't understand what's still happening if you're following Trump. Digital driver's licenses are either under development or already in use in various American states. They'll have detailed information for licensees on vaccination records, on your travel history, 
on your tax status, on voting history, on financial records. They will set up a social credit system, as we have now done the beta testing in China. Let me tell you, the social credit system was designed in America and implemented in China. This is why when you look at Wuhan, it's like what different, you know, you have this partnership with them on the fundamental level where things are designed and then tried out and proof of concept in China. The proof of concept for a global world government, social credit system, and what we saw happen to us in the last year, that was proven in China. We designed it in America, but it was proven in China. We've been working on exactly what happened last year since 9-11, actually before 9-11. They've been rehearsing it since just before 9-11, but they had designed it long before that. Uh, this is supposedly only the beginning of the mark of the beast, the mark of the government. Utah has announced earlier this year that it will be the first in the nation to launch a pilot project, the first step towards moving Utahns' identities <clears throat> out of their wallets and into the 21st century. Well, your identity is not going to be in the 21st century. Your identity is going to be in and the technocracy, the technocracy, they'll move your privacy out of your wallet. Uh, they will move you into their metaverse or whatever else it is that they want to do. A secure, contactless, digital form of ID, says the Utah Department of Public Safety. That gives, listen to this, this is the most cynical lie. So by putting all of this information, all this private information about you on your phone, available to any and every government agency, what they say this will do is to, quote, give citizens control of their personal information. <laughs> That's such a cynical lie. This is such a violation of privacy, they'll probably call it the Privacy Act. Just like when they wanted to come after patriots, they called it the Patriot Act. You want to destroy patriots? Call the Patriot Act. That sounds patriotic. Sounds good. Sounds like it supports patriots. No, it's about attacking patriots. Uh, if you want to attack privacy, call the Privacy Act. And then nobody will suspect that you're actually going to be attacking privacy. It can be utilized in banking and travel, assuming that you can travel. Well, you'll be able to travel if you have your vaccine passport there. Banking, travel, traffic stops. Restaurant and liquor store transactions that require age verification. That's a quote from the Utah Department of Public Safety. Salt Lake Tribune reports that only reports on the privacy safeguards of the program. See, it is, it's all about privacy. Salt Lake Tribune says <clears throat> the ID isn't just a photo <clears throat> or a digital replica of a driver's license, which could easily be photoshopped. <laughs> the app will be protected by a pin code, by a face match, or by fingerprint. Yeah, biometrics. Businesses like banks or restaurants will be able to use the technology to verify the integrity and authenticity of an ID. Let me ask you, why do businesses and banks and restaurants need to know my ID? Why do they need to know that? They need to know it because the technocrats and people like Bill Gates want them to know it. ID 2020. Because they need to know if I'm vaccinated. Immunization Agenda 2030, IA 2030, also Bill Gates. Everyone, everywhere, every age, vaccinated. And they need to know, have you accepted that mark? Have you joined the beast? Are you worshiping the government? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about government worship. The government that's going to save your life. The government that's going to protect your privacy and your health and provide you with everything. Worship that government.
That's been one of the most distressing things this last year, to see people uh, who are so-called religious leaders, Christians, very well-known Christians, the most well-known, people like Franklin Graham, people like Al Moore, pushing you to worship the vaccine. It's a miracle. It's a miracle from God. No, it's a false sign. And these people are false teachers. Businesses like banks or restaurants will be able to use the technology to verify the integrity or the authenticity of an ID. See? Because you won't be able to go to any of those places unless you have the mark of the government. The mark of the beast. Oh, I see that you're not a VIP, not a very important person, but you're a very important minion. We should change that, right? <laughs> uh, I can see by your vaccine passport that... Uh, you are a very important minion. All hail the beast. Pam Dixon, executive director of the nonprofit group World Privacy Forum, said most people will want some kind of a hard token for their identity, but I don't know how long that'll last. I would imagine at some point, maybe in a generation, maybe less, people will accept a fully digital system. Yeah, you see, it doesn't have to be implanted. They can do it with biometrics. You know, they can, uh, they can mark you by looking at your face. They don't have to mark your face in the mark of the beast system, do they? Forget your chronology. Pay attention to the obvious thing. Interpret the hard things to understand with the things that are right there in front of you. you got a tree right in front of you. Stop thinking about the forest here. Back in March of 2020, the new American warned of the increasingly authoritarian tendencies around the world connected to the universal COVID vaccinations. Um, actually, March, not March of 20, in March of this year. I, I was warning about it in March of 2020. Some observers note that the program closely aligns with the UN's digital agenda. Of course it does. It aligns with uh, Gates' digital agenda. Everybody with an ID, everybody vaccinated. And, of course, those two things converge with what he has already developed with MIT in the fall of 2019, announcing that, you know, you could get the, um, you get the vaccine as well as a tattoo at the same time. No problem. We've got these microdots, and they only penetrate enough to uh, deposit the vaccine or whatever it is, some uh, genetic code injection. They only penetrate enough to, to put in the toxic substance that you're getting. Uh, and then they leave behind a mark that um, looks uh, as a, looks like an identifier uh, under a certain light. It glows, uh, luciferase or luciferase, if you will. So they have that capability there. Uh, it doesn't the needles. It's all a bunch of needles, but it only goes deep enough into the skin to deposit the uh, genetic code. It doesn't cause you any pain. They've worked that out. Yeah, the, the nerves are a little bit further down, so we won't go that far. I mean, it's very calculating, this high-tech slavery that they've designed for you. From a law enforcement perspective, they said it allow the police who are approaching the car to interact via Bluetooth with the phone so they can know exactly who they're dealing with before they even get to the car. What can they know about you? Well, they can know if you have a gun. If you have a not if you have a gun, but if you have a license to have a gun or a permit to have a gun. And, of course, if you are such a person, 
that means that they mark you as dangerous, a possible threat to them, uh, somebody that they might have to shoot first. So they're ready to shoot if you're in their database as having a concealed carry permit or something like that. Uh, they can look at your health records. Why would the uh, police who are pulling me over for a speeding violation need to know my health records? They can look at my credit score. They can look at my travel records. They can look at vehicle registration, at my voting record. They can look at spending. Uh, they can look at my social credit score because what we're talking about here is life in China. That's one of the reasons I think that uh, Google gave me a strike when I did a video saying uh, 2020 was the year the world became China. They found that to be very offensive because it's true. And who was it that put us into that world? Yeah, who indeed? Let's take a quick look at headline news. Uh, we have um, Wolf Blitzer, who is <laughs> just a little bit of comic relief here. Wolf Blitzer at CNN. Look at this. There's Wolf Blitzer. Now, I don't know if that's an actual picture of an actual set or if that's a green screen behind him. Now, Wolf Blitzer says, uh, I'm now reporting from Edinburgh in Scotland, where the 20,000 world leaders and delegates have gathered for the COP26 Climate Summit. COP, by the way, stands for Conference for the Parties. And it's the 26th time they've gathered to discuss. Hence the term COP26. He's so clever. But, you know, the thing is, that he's reporting from Edinburgh, where he says there's 20,000 world leaders. Where, Wolf, are the world leaders? I don't see them there. You know why? Because COP26 is not in Edinburgh. It's in Glasgow. <laughs> as, a, as a sharp reporter, Wolf Blitzer might be asking himself, where are the 20,000 world leaders? I don't see them. Were there minions anywhere? What? Why am I all here alone? Well, it might be because he's at a set somewhere and he's got a green screen behind him and they haven't even done enough research to know what city it's in, let alone go to the right city. That's my take on all of this stuff. I mean, is this guy even in Edinburgh? He certainly isn't where the conference is and he doesn't know where the conference is. It's another one of these... <laughs> You've seen the pictures over and over again of CNN, the beginning of the Iraq war, the first one. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're in a studio in Atlanta and they're pretending they're under attack and they're putting on the helmets and the rest of the stuff. You've seen uh, Anderson Cooper's nose disappear when he's reporting on Sandy Hook. And here we have Wolf Blitzer, who is uh, at the wrong city and he doesn't know it. And he doesn't know where all the elite are, as I tweeted out. I said, did he and CNN do another green screen thing? Here, I'm live. I'm live here, wherever this is. Where am I supposed to be? I don't know. I said, are we supposed to believe uh, the COP26 climate lies that he's going to feed us next? Because the climate lies are all about the Great Reset. As I tweeted out, it's the same slavery. It's just different lies. Speaking of slavery, let's take a look at critical race theory. And, uh, you know, you have Colin Kaepernick now telling us that the NFL, where they pay people tens of millions of dollars to play a game, he says that's like plantation slavery. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment. But first, over the weekend, Bill Maurer said, quote, if critical race theory means separating five-year-old boys, five-year-olds, not boys, but five-year-olds, by race, and telling some, you are oppressors, and the others, you're being oppressed, and giving up on a colorblind society and resegregating, 
uh, and, and making racism the essence of America. He says, if that's what critical race theory is, then I'm out. Well, that's exactly what it is. He distilled it perfectly. It really is about telling five-year-olds that because of the color of your skin, you're a racist. Because of the color of your skin, we hate you. And because of the color of your skin, we are justified in hating you. This is the antithesis of everything that liberals like Bill Maurer have over the years embraced. It's the antithesis of this. And we ought to be very concerned about the fact that so many liberals have now thrown that principle away. And conservatives are looking at this and saying, what is going on? So we're going to have resegregation. We're going to have uh, racism held forward as a virtue. And one good example of this is Juan Williams, Fox commentator, who says that parental rights is simply code for white supremacy. This is amazing. Amazing. The depths of degradation, lies, and ignorance that they are pushing on this. And it's all based on their hatred, their racism. It's based on Juan Williams' hatred and racism. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what Juan Williams is doing. When he says that parental rights is code for white supremacy, what he is saying is UN code for allowing mature minors. See, the opposite of parental rights uh, is not a uh, uh, you know, free society or whatever. The opposite of parental rights is child's, children's rights. The UN Convention for the Rights of the Child, I've talked about many times. It was, um, uh, that's what he's embracing. And that is what, it, what is fundamentally behind this idea of the mature minor. The mature minor that can get one of these experimental vaccines without telling their parents. They can make that kind of informed consent. I tell you, most adults are not informed enough to consent to that. That information is being hidden from people, but especially the children who are being pressured a great deal and bullied into this. But according to him, you know, if you talk about parental rights as opposed to children's rights as a mature minor, oh, you are racist. How pathetic this. Everything they disagree with is racist. But what is even more, uh, what is even more despicable is the fact that he's pushing children's rights. And let me tell you, it's not about children's rights. It's about children being exploited by people. And it's not just about vaccines either. We've seen this with the transgender grooming that is happening in all of our schools. Because part of this mature minor idea is that kids in kindergarten can decide that they're a different gender. And the schools don't want the parents to know about that. They don't want those kind of parental rights. They don't want informed parents and they want to be able to gaslight and groom these kids into their Sodom and Gomorrah culture. It's despicable what is happening. It's despicable what he is, is uh, uh, writing code for. So it's about, you know, jabbing kids without their knowledge. It's about pedo-gender grooming without parents' knowledge. Because that's what you get when you have mature minors. These are people who want to say that the kids that are so mature that they can figure out what gender they are before puberty or anything. And they can have physical procedures. Those same kids are going to be able to consent to sexual relations. Those are not nearly as damaging as the psychological and physical damage that you're doing as part of this transgender reassignment secretly without the parents being involved. So um, what Juan Williams is also doing is abusing and destroying the true uh, opposition to true racism. 
So you put up a phony version of racism, you're discrediting real racism. That's the problem I have with a lot of people who do highly sensational reports. They'll take the truth, they'll add false details to it, and then by doing so, they will discredit the truth. And by the way, that is a, um, uh, that is a, a studied tactic of the uh, intelligence agencies. That's one of the ways that they discredit a narrative. Is it, in the same way that they will put people out and, and create an organization uh, that is uh, supporting violence or supporting racism or both of those things, and then they'll use that to discredit people of political ideology or something. By pulling people in that have that political ideology, that, that are racist, that are hateful, that uh, want to do violence, they can discredit political movements, they can discredit uh, investigations into things, and they can discredit uh, the truth about things by mixing lies with it. And that's exactly what Juan, Ron, Juan Williams is doing in terms of racism. He is discrediting it. He is discrediting the uh, condemnation of real racism. And he's also attacking the family. He's attacking the institution that God created. You know, the rest of these institutions were created by man. But the family was created by God. Juan Williams doesn't like that. I don't know what his uh, position is in terms of what he says he believes about God, but he's also destroying civilization because civilization, as well as countries, are built on strong families. And if you want to know why our civilization is collapsing, it's because they first started destroying the family. As the family is destroyed, so is civilization. So um, he says uh, in his essay, he said, once again, we're full of racial division. He's the one who's dividing people along race lines. But this time it is dressed up as a defense of little children. Well, let me tell you what is dressed up. What's dressed up are these uh, tranny events that they're pushing on little children. That's what's dressed up. The op-ed made no mention of Northern, Northam, Governor Northam's racial scandal. You know, he was all dressed up, wasn't he? He was dressed up either in blackface or as a Ku Klux Klan garb when he was uh, in medical school, not just even in college, but he'd gone on to medical school. But, you know, they're not worried about that. Not worried about that kind of cross-dressing. Children are uncomfortable learning about racism, he said. So, therefore, you know, we need to make them uncomfortable. We need to make them uncomfortable about gender and sex and all this other kind of stuff. So we should be, you know, showing every kind of sexual perversion of these kids and modeling it for them. We should have uh, men coming in and doing a perverted uh, burlesque with these kids. We should have all of that. We should challenge people. We should make people uncomfortable. You always hear this from the left. Uh, he said, uh, Terry McAuliffe calls a Republican message a racist dog whistle. Let me tell you, Juan Williams is nothing but a dog whistle and a mockingbird. That's all he is. A U.S. mother uh, has accused the school board of teaching her daughter she was born evil because she's white. And the reason they say U.S. mother is because this is coming from RT, their headline. And, um, yeah, telling a daughter that she was born evil because she's white, that's exactly what Bill Maurer was talking about, you're going to tell me that you're going to tell five-year-olds that they're evil because of the color of their skin, the amount of melatonin in their skin? At a uh, Loudoun County school board meeting last week, a mother revealed that she has pulled her children from the county's public school. Good, good, good. Now pull the funding. After her six-year-old daughter asked her last year, when she was five, if she was born evil because she was a white person. 
The child had apparently learned this in a history lesson taught at her former school. Uh, the uh, Loudoun County Public School Board allegedly forced its uncompromising political agenda on parents, they say in the video. Uh, over the last month, we've seen the national spotlight on them because of the sexual assault. I mean, it's not just, again, it's, it's not just the racism aspect. It's the literal rape of a young girl. I mean, it was, oh, well, this would never happen. Let's put all the kids and you know, let's put all the boys in the girls' restrooms. Oh, that'll never happen. Well, it did, and they covered it up, even more despicable, and let it happen twice. Uh, so uh, a boy in a skirt, supposedly gender fluid. Yeah. Although school board member Beth Bartz is expected to step down on Tuesday, others have repeatedly called out the superintendent, Scott Ziegler, to also resign. In May, Ziegler emailed the school board about the sexual assault, but he claimed at a June school board meeting that the, quote, predator, transgender student or person simply does not exist when he had the month before reported it. And then, of course, they transferred the guy to make sure <coughs> that people did not, not know that he existed. And because of that cover-up, he was able to do it a second time. He went on to say there was not any, quote, any record of assaults occurring in our restrooms, unquote. Just flat out lying. So <coughs> he needs to he needs to be taken out, and that system needs to be taken down. Again, I know conservatives want to keep the institutions that we have. Some of these institutions are not worth preserving. They need to be rethought. They need to be replaced. We have Colin Kaepernick compares the NFL <coughs> to a slave auction. Speaking in a Netflix series, and as I said before, were slaves paid tens of millions of dollars to play a game? In the series, Colin in black and white, this guy is so oppressed, he gets his own Netflix series. Yeah, poor guy. Poor guy. He's not privileged at all, is he? Look at just Pull that picture back up again there, Travis. I mean, look at this guy. When I look at this, I think he's got way too much money and time on his hands. Look at how perfectly coiffed his hair is. And it's a perfect sphere of, of uh, Afro black. And then he's got his face like set in there. But I mean, how much time does he have to spend fixing his hair? Or how many people does he hire to fix his hair to get it that perfect? <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. It's an interesting photo because it does look like an isolated face and a and a sea of black. He's got a black uh, shirt, and then he's got his face set in there, this perfectly coiffed um, uh, afro that's probably, you know, uh, at twice the width of his uh, head there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, going to what he has to say, he says, uh, they establish a power dynamic. Oh, do they? Do they really? You don't have a power dynamic there at Netflix? Babylon B trolled him perfectly. Babylon B says, Kaepernick is sad that no slave owner will enslave him no matter how many times he's tried out to be a slave. <laughs> they always nail it, don't they? Uh, in May, they write, in May of 2017, he visited the brutal Seattle Seahawks plantation, hoping to become a slave there. But unfortunately, he left training camp with his liberty and independence still intact. <laughs> he says, I try out for NFL slavery every year. They keep rejecting me. The NFL is oppressive. And it's also oppressive that they refuse to oppress me. Then Kaepernick visited the infamous Baltimore Ravens, 
some of the cruelest slave drivers in the country, but they too declined to take away his rights and place him in bondage. Finally, in a last-ditch effort, Kaepernick arranged his own private slave auction of himself in Atlanta, where he demonstrated his proficiency as a slave for 32 potential owners. But ultimately, he remained unable to find a buyer for himself. (laughs) He says, quote, I'm tired of these rich white people oppressing me by opting not to oppress me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's exactly what is happening today is the Virginia election, or maybe they, we've already selected the person, you know, you got one county as I reported yesterday said, Oh yeah, you can mail in those ballots. We don't need to know anything about you. Uh, just go ahead and mail it in. You know, I, I don't need the last four digits of your social security. No identification whatsoever is necessary. Uh, by the way, make sure you check that uh, Democrat box there, but they don't care what, what people are doing in terms of voting. I don't say that to discourage you from getting involved. I just say that to discourage you from giving any more money to Trump and the Republicans when they tell you that the election was stolen because they participated in its theft. So, yeah, definitely go. Maybe you'll find a race that they're not manipulating. Democrat McAuliffe is accused of taking illegal foreign donation. Nothing new here either. This guy has uh, this is not his first rodeo or his first uh, grift either. He has a history of accepting foreign donations. Uh, explained a person from the National Legal Policy Center. They filed a formal formal request after the McAuliffe campaign and others linked to the donation, but declined to respond to questions about the donation. What donation? A $350,000 donation uh, that uh, is alleged to have come illegally from a foreigner. Well, maybe he should just say, Uh, Whoever these foreigners are, he should take the Trump approach. You say, whoever these foreigners are, it's a shame. They used to own Congress, and rightfully so. (laughs) Send your checks to, well, well, that's what Trump said about Israel, right? Uh, The FEC must fully investigate these serious charges that he accepted $350,000 in illegal foreign contributions for his current campaign. On or about July fifteenth, 2021, McAuliffe received $100,000 from Lycatel, and another $250,000 on or about July 15th, 2021. Okay, so he's at uh, six hundred grand uh, for a total of, um, <clears throat> of uh, 300, I'm sorry, no, I'm adding that twice. So he got 100,000 on one occasion and 250,000 on another for a total of 350,000. And that just barely pays for his kid's tuition. You know, he had four kids that he put through private school where the average tuition was $45,000 a year. Now, come on, you know, that right there, that's $180,000. The guy's barely got enough to scrape by on with a, another $170,000 left over after he puts his kids through four private schools. I mean, you got to sympathize with Terry McAuliffe here, don't you? <laughs> but he's got other entrepreneurial governmental ventures where, you know, he you can buy your citizenship if you invest uh, as a foreign citizen, you can buy your citizenship in the companies that he was running with you know, solar scams and other greenwashed corporations. If you invest it, so he would get subsidies from the government for setting up these green businesses, you know, like Elon Musk does. And then if you wanted to be an investor in that company, you could then buy your citizenship that way as well. And, you know, they'd run this thing for a little while and then just fold it because, you know, it's not a real company ever was, never was a real company anyway. Oh, yeah, he's very clever. Very clever. Uh, While Virginia law has no limits on the amounts an individual corporation can give a candidate for state office, federal law 
prohibits donations from foreign nationals to campaigns at federal, state, and local levels. So um, the uh, NLPC, this uh, watchdog group, is alleging that uh, charging that Ligatel is a New Jersey subsidiary of a telecom conglomerate in the UK. We'll have to see how that works out. I suspect that um, uh, either <clears throat> it'll be dropped uh, because he loses, or if he wins, they certainly won't do anything about it. Associated Press journalist tried to breach the cockpit. You know, we, we saw this story about the Southwest pilot getting on and saying, let's go, Brandon. And I didn't have any problem with that. I think that's quite funny. I mean, we've heard a lot more rude things said about Trump, haven't we? And certainly the Southwest pilots who uh, made a show of power, I think, to Southwest Airlines with their uh, walking out of work and so forth because of the let's go Brandon mandates. Uh, I, I think that that's legitimate for him to do that. That's his political speech. But this person who works for the Associated Press, the Associated Propaganda, AP, a journalist claims that she, woman, of course, uh, heard a Southwest Airlines pilot say, let's go, Brandon, while greeting passengers over the PA system. <clears throat> and so she sought to breach the con the cockpit to lecture her about this, you know, because that's what the AP is all about. It's about telling you what you can and cannot say. They have approved speech codes. Thou shalt not say illegal immigrant. Thou shalt say uh, undocumented alien you know, and all these different types of things. You shall not say that you're pro-life. You are anti-abortion rights now. Repeat after me. And so I imagine that this uh, AP journalist wanted to go in so she could lecture this pilot about what he was allowed to say and what he was not allowed to say because they make the rules. She's used to that. And uh, so she said, well, she puts that on Twitter. She said, um, <clears throat> so you're trying to go on vacation, and then the pilot says the very thing that you're working on over the loudspeaker, and you have to try to get him to comment, but then you almost get removed from the plane. <laughs> I wish he had. Uh, CNN pundits are meanwhile saying that Let's Go Brandon is a MAGA version of Sieg Heil. They're saying it's akin to saying long live ISIS. So there you go. You know, if you oppose Biden, you are a Nazi and you are a domestic terrorist. <clears throat> Obviously, we know that because CNN tells us so. CNN's Asha Rangapapa, I guess, I don't know, I don't watch CNN, I suggested the pilot's alleged comments were akin to saying, long live ISIS, before he took off. So, you know, they're taking it to the next level. Uh, speaking of actual Nazis and uh, traitors, let's talk a little bit about Lindsey Graham. Uh, Lindsey Graham reportedly called for the police to shoot people uh, the Capitol protesters on January the 6th, and, of course, they did shoot uh, one person. He said, you've got guns, you better use them, you know, to uh, protect him, of course. <laughs> uh, the reports uh, said, uh, second chapter entitled Bloodshed. This is a new account of the Capitol riot on January the 6th, and it claims that Lindsey Graham was at one point called for the police to use their guns, take back the Senate. And uh, they said that uh, as they breached the Capitol, Lindsey Graham <clears throat> yelled at the Senate, Senate and, uh, sergeant in arms, according to the sources cited by the Post. Uh, that would be the Washington Post, of course. 
Lindsey Graham says, what are you doing? Take back the Senate. You got guns. Use them. <laughs> then told the police they're giving guns. You're giving these things for a reason. You better use them. Pull that bullet out, Barney. Put it in the gun. <laughs> no, he's not nearly as innocent as uh, anybody associated with Mayberry. And uh, this is not innocent either. What is happening to the prisoners is absolutely horrific. The New American dot com has a, this story a letter from january the six prisoners describes the gulag like conditions in jail in washington dc for the january the six uh, people and i just have to say you know you um uh society is judged on the way that it treats its prisoners isn't it and our society doesn't come up looking too well in this report when nathan degrave describes sounds that are less like a jail in the nation's capital and more like the Turkish prison featured in Midnight Express. Hmm. Do you know that movie? Do you know that movie? Midnight Express? I saw that with uh, Karen, my wife, when we were in college. And um, she actually knew, growing up on Long Island, she actually knew indirectly this guy that had gone through that, you know, knew people who knew him and so forth because uh, uh, he was there from Long Island as well. And so they, you know, a lot of people have talked about that story. Absolutely horrific movie about torture, about prison under worst case circumstance. So that's why they use that in this particular article, Midnight Express. They're saying, well, you know, this is looking like that type of prison. Nathan DeGrave <clears throat> faces a 12 count indictment in connection with entering the Capitol during the mostly peaceful protests. And we can say that because that's true there. It was mostly peaceful. Uh, tells a tale of beatings, starvation, poor hygiene, and a lack of medical care. Federal authorities seem to be permitting the savagery to punish the prisoners in violation of the Eighth Amendment to the federal constitution before they're tried. The conditions might explain why D.C. corrections officials blocked a congressional delegation from entering the facility. So we have... Um, <clears throat> We have vaccine agreements with uh, gigantic multinational corporations that members of parliament in Europe are not allowed to see. Members of Congress are not allowed to see because, you know, uh, they don't even care to ask. And, of course, we're not allowed to see it. So you have this secretive government spying on people, violating the law with that, and, of course, violating all of these other, every aspect of the Bill of Rights, every aspect of our Humanity, why would they not treat prisoners this way? That's exactly what you're going to wind up with. Uh, claiming that he was a nonviolent protester on January the 6th, grave called himself a political prisoner in D.C.'s Gitmo. In a letter published last week, he alleged that Jan Sixers, as he puts it, have suffered deadly lockdowns for 23 or 24 hours before being permitted to leave their 120-square-foot cells. He said the isolation has caused many people to go on rapid mental decline. Well, that's what it's designed to do. These people know exactly what they're doing. It's what they're doing to Julian Assange. Uh, that's how they treat their opposition, their political opposition. Uh, you know, Julian Assange didn't get violent with anybody, did he? No, no, no. He's a journalist, but he's opposed to them. Uh, this is what you're going to see from an out-of-control, tyrannical government it comes after its political enemies. Quote, a large percentage of us are heavily medicated with anti-anxiety and antidepressant drugs, 
which helps to cope with the psychological and mental abuse that we endure, he said. He said, masks are weaponized and used against us yeah, on the outside as well. Masks, they're doing that to our kids and that government institution that is run like a prison, the government schools. That's where we first heard the term lockdown, of course, right? Putting little kids through metal detectors and everything. I mean, the stuff with critical race theory, that's bad. The stuff with the transgender grooming, pedophile grooming that's going, that's bad. But they've been training children for longer than that stuff started. They've been training children to live in a prison society with lockdowns, locker inspections, uh, metal detectors, and all the rest of this stuff. They invite the uh, kind of anarchy that is happening by removing any discipline that's there, by removing God, most importantly. Any ethical or moral standard is removed. They treat these kids as if they are uh, escapees on um, an island, like in Lord of the Flies. And then when they get completely out of control and go feral, uh, then they get, uh, get arrested. They come in with a, a very heavy hand at that point in time. But it, going back to the uh, January 6th people, masks are weaponized and used against us. Masks need to be covering both the nose and the mouth at all times or we are threatened and locked down in ourselves. Again, like the schools, like the plane flights. January Sixers are always respectful to the employees around us, but they maintain the need to invent reasons for discipline. Um, <clears throat> they also talk about a starvation diet. Medical neglect is just one of the trials that the persecuted January the Sixers face. Again, this is an article on the New American. I would recommend you read it in its entirety. Uh, on at least five occasions, raw sewage has overflowed our unit, causing human fecal matter to flood the floors and the rooms, he continued. That's also in addition to the mold on the cell walls, as well as rusty pipes and dirty water that flows from those sinks. White rags turn brown when exposed to the water from our faucets. He said, all, we are also undergoing severe nutritional deficiencies and starvation. For breakfast this morning, I received a tray of flavorless paste, two slices of bread, a slice of bologna. Lunches usually consist of rice and beans, but we'll get cold chicken, beef patties if we are lucky. Uh, so he said, without a, a commissary, people like myself are forced to starve. I suffer from headaches, nausea on an almost regular basis from the malnutrition and the constant hunger I am subjected to. I've lost almost 15 pounds since I've been detained. And I'll just say, uh, the government that treats people like this, treats their enemies like this, you understand that they see you as an enemy if you're not vaccinated. You understand it is their intent. They're already openly doing it in Australia to create prisons for the unvaccinated. If we do not support the rights, the human rights of each and every person, uh, this is what we're looking at. Exactly this. No religious rights either. Religious services protected by the First Amendment are not provided. I mean, we've seen in other prisons, haven't we? You know, if you uh, say, well, I'm a, a Muslim or whatever, and I have to have a special diet, they will give you a special diet. They'll let you have religious services. But uh, this is evidently worse than Gitmo. Uh, he says, uh, neither are in-person classes or other activities available to the rest of the jail. An inmate named Ryan Samsel instead attempted to organize his own Bible study until he was viciously beaten and left for dead 
by correctional officers. He suffered a broken eye socket, brain damage, as a result of the vicious attack. He is now permanently blind in one eye. On another occasion, Scott Fairlamb was confronted by an officer in the middle of the night, and his life was threatened once the officer's body camera was disabled. Many, like myself, are afraid that they could be the next victim. He is also terrified that he'll be subjected to racially motivated beatings because the protesters are falsely being called white supremacists. And on and on. This is exactly uh, what we want to make sure does not happen. As I pointed out yesterday, you know, when you look at the agenda of the Biden administration and the fact that he's going to give a million dollars to uh, a family if they were separated coming across the border. And there should have been, I don't know exactly what the process was there. I'm not saying these people were not wronged, but they were the ones who came across the border. Uh, I think everybody needs to have a, a quick trial. I think there needs to be not be excessive punishment. Uh, but um, they're not going to do anything about what is happening in terms of excessive punishment to these people there uh, for January the 6th. They're now trying to make amends for what they consider to be excessive punishment of people who crossed the border illegally with minors, saying we're not sure if you're the parents or not. We're going to have to uh, evaluate that. Uh, but again, if you want to be a millionaire, just come across. Each parent will get $450,000. How does that compare to other compensation that our government has handed out. Because, you see, there's two classes of people, as I said yesterday, the Biden administration likes, and that is border crossers and cross-dressers. And uh, everybody else can forget about it. You know, they hate you about that. Uh, their lawyers demanded that each family unit should get $3.4 million. So, see, we're saving a lot of money. We're only giving them about a million dollars. Such payouts, writes Breitbart, would exceed the amount of money that's gone to thousands of American survivors of 9-11. As of December 2020, each 9-11 victim has received about $225,000, about half of what Biden wants to give to the border crossers. Uh, Similarly, Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters said about American taxpayer money being used for this, he said, they burn our cities down the Democrats. They defund our police and border patrol. They destroy our schools and churches. They call half the country evil for voting Republican. And then they take our money and do this with it. Uh, Georgia congressional candidate Patrick Witt noted that the payout to border crossers would be overwhelmingly higher than the $1,200 checks that were given to Americans following the government forced economic shutdowns. That's right. Not much compensation for the damage that uh, Trump did. They resulted in millions of lost jobs, hundreds of thousands of shuttered small and medium-sized businesses. I mean, you know, the the governors were showered with cash. The pharmaceutical companies were showered with cash. Uh, Big companies were able to get loans that were supposed to go to small businesses, but uh, they changed it so that, as they defined a small business as anybody with fewer than 500 employees. Instead, what they decided was any business that has fewer than 500 employees at a given location, and most of the money, More than half of the money went to less than 5% of the people who applied. Likewise, Washington congressional candidate Joe Kent compared the payout of $450,000 to each parent if their kids were separated from them to evaluate whether or not they really were their kids or they were being trafficked. So that $450,000 to each parent is uh, $900,000 to the family. 
as compared to the $100,000 quote-unquote death gratuity. I mean, isn't that a reprehensible term, a death gratuity? Yeah, here's a tip. You know, have a nice day. Uh, so if you are, uh, if you have a family member who is killed in the military in combat, you get a $100,000 death gratuity. But if you violate the law as a treasure hunter, we're not talking about people who are uh, trying to escape from persecution, political or religious or things like that, that threaten their life. I mean, we left people like that behind in Afghanistan. We are ignoring that happening in Nigeria uh, to Christians who are being slaughtered by Muslims. No, we're not talking about that type of thing. We're talking about people who are coming here as treasure hunters. And as I said from the very beginning, the real problem with the border is not that we don't have a wall. The problem with the border is that we've got a giant magnet that is sucking people across the border, financially incentivizing them with a welfare state to vote for Democrats and giving them jobs that are much higher than what they would get where they were, but much lower than what Americans can live off of. So it's that kind of financial incentivization, and now they're going to add nearly a million dollars to the families if they come across and people are suspicious about what's going on. Let me tell you what you should be suspicious about are the kids that are being transported in the middle of the night, uh, flown across the country in the wee hours of the morning, put on a bus, taken to a, uh, a, a rest stop. And as the New York Post watches, they have people pulling up in cars, one or two, you know, at a, at a time, getting out and without their ID even being checked, grabbing a couple of kids and taking them away. What are they doing with that? Here in Austin... We have uh, largely defunded the police department in many ways, and uh, homicides have increased 71% since uh, 2020. Uh, the largest that uh, has been tracked by the people who are doing that in any particular city, Elon Musk is, is coming out and saying, uh, you don't want to become San Francisco. <laughs> he knows what he left. And uh, I think I see what is coming, quite frankly. Uh, we are becoming San Francisco here in Austin. Uh, we are kind of the Portland of the South. Both cities love to brag about how weird they are. And uh, I don't think weird is not the term that I would use. I would say debauched, depraved. Um, <laughs> that, that's uh, really uh, what it has become. Uh, there's a pushback against uh, the new corporation that Zuckerberg has put out, of course, uh, the meta name. Uh, he's, he's got problems with both the name and with the logo. Both of those were stolen. One of the, the uh, people that he stole from is a guy named Varifakis. So uh, maybe, you know, you could just uh, give up on that meta name so you don't have a lawsuit. You just call it a Fakus book or something. I don't know. Now, these, these people, by the way, are post-capitalist revolutionaries. So maybe that's where Zuckerberg got the idea. That's it for the program. Thank you for listening. common man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. 
but each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com